And we are live. Hey, Concrete. Hey, ARC. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, ARC. How's it going? What's up, ladies? Good evening. How y'all doing? Uh, Good. Good. Under the circumstances, good. Good, good, good. I'm doing good as well. Uh, busy day, uh, a million things going on, but such is life. Um, I do my best work under pressure. So, you know, it is what it is. Just <laughs> like a damn Gemini, honey. Ooh, child. ARC, or, um, I heard you were a Pisces. Is that true? March 3rd, baby. Oh, goodness gracious. You got a birthday coming up and everything. What you gonna be doing for your birthday? Making more babies? Hey, that, that, might, that might be on the schedule. Because you gave me a nickname for the ages, Baby Maker Three Thousand. Oh. If I could get a license plate that said that, I would get it tomorrow. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, ARC. You know, um, we had you on the show for your um an interview um uh, about almost a year ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're very excited to have you back for the second interview. Uh, I'm excited. I am too. Absolutely. Um, I think that this is, I'm excited to see what comes of this because, you know, we got some hard hitting questions and um, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty as well as discussing your new book, No Free Attention. So, yeah. Okay, I look forward to this. And and if I can give a quick response to uh, King Grady, yes, I'm uh, feeling a lot better. For those who may not know, my Patreon subscribers know I was I was hospitalized recently for severe migraine headaches, but uh, I'm feeling a lot better today. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to do this interview because I know these two ladies got some. They they gonna try to get some gotcha questions on me. Gotcha. <laughs> You know hey, you I will. Concrete be over there trying to play good cop, but uh, I am. I am. Child, she don't do nothing but play innocent <laughs> and put the blame on me. I'm, I'm, re I'm ready for it today. I prepared myself today. I got me a good okay. drink over here. Um, we ordered in pizza tonight uh, from one of our favorite spots, so I'm full. Um, I okay. had some coffee today, and I am ready to go. Mm, well, this should be an interesting show. Um, do we want to dive right in? Honey, I'm with it if you're with it. Let's let, let, let's do it. Um, you, you can go ahead. I'm pulling up my questions. I, I, uh, I can start. I can start. I have ahead. one just to kick it off. I want to yeah. know, um, ARC, what the actual inspiration was for your latest book, No Free Attention. Well, actually, uh, No Free Attention is is technically a rewrite of my 2012 book called The Possibility of Sex, how women manipulate uh, naive and lustful men regularly. And it was somewhat of a, I don't know, it might be too melodramatic to say groundbreaking book, but not too far from that. At the time it came out because a lot of books in the manosphere at that time were just all about helping guys get late. That was the main theme, you know, in the, most of the 2000s and early 2010s was mm -hmm. how to get laid. And my book, The Possibility of Sex, that was one of the first books that come out in the Manosphere that basically centered around 
telling men what women not to try to hook up with. You know, and that again, that, that was rare for a book. There might have been a couple other books before that that might have had a chapter dedicated to that, but there was never an entire book telling men what women to avoid trying to have casual sex with or trying to have a long-term relationship with. And so it ended up on a lot of uh, top 10 best, like I've never been a subscriber to MGTOW or any type mm -hmm. of MGTOW enthusiast, but that book ended up being on a lot of like different bloggers, top 10 best books for MGTOWs. I can imagine. And, um, and I got a lot of, <laughs> I got a lot of negative feedback. Well, I ain't going to say too much, but quite a bit of negative feedback from women on that book. Like a lot of women actually enjoyed Mo One. They enjoyed my book, Who Said Again. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. my my audiobook for Who Said Again is 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 beloved by a lot of women because they think parts of it is audio erotica. But um <laughs> possibly I read that I read that book, so I can see how they come to that conclusion. Oh, if you just read it, you got the No, the I'm sorry. I, I did the audio. I got the okay. audio book. So, yeah, Honey, was I was like scared to listen to the audio. I ain't going <laughs> no problem. Saying I, I did. I downloaded the audio uh, version of Oops Said Again. Yeah, yeah. We know somebody was touching themselves, but uh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there. hell yeah. Went there. Hey, right out the gate, concrete. I mean, ain't holding no punches. Hey, but I, I'm just going by the feedback I get. I, most of the feedback I got on that audio book was like, oh, Alan, you had me playing with myself like crazy. Oh, gosh. Here we go. <laughs> but anyway, going back to the possibility of sex, though, that was the first book I came out with where a lot of women were like, oh, Alan, I don't, I don't like this book. Why you write this book? Because basically I called out a lot of women's manipulative tactics and tendencies in that book. And plain and simply, now women who are non-manipulative, of course, they didn't mind it because I wouldn't expose anything they do anyway. But for women who deep down knew they were highly manipulative type women, yeah, they they didn't they some wrote me lighthearted criticisms, others wrote me more serious criticisms. But all in all, yeah, they didn't like it because you could say I, I called out a lot of their playbook. And the, the, the general thing related to the title was this: a lot of women manipulate men. Mm. by giving them the misleading impression that they got at least a five to 10 percent chance of getting in their pants mm -hmm. and mean. what i basically spelled out in that book in a detailed way is that just because a woman is giving you starts off giving you the impression you can hit that don't mean you're gonna ever hit that right so right. anyway uh going back to original question so how we arrived at no fritz so what happened was uh, of my major books all of my other three major books were available in ebook, audiobook, and paperback. And um, Possibly Sex was my only book that wasn't available in paperback. So I had a lot of guys requesting. They say, Hey, Alan, man, are you ever going to have a paperback version of Possibly Sex? And I would always say, Sure, sure, sure. So finally, last year, I said, What the heck? I'm going to definitely make it a point to turn that book into a, a paperback. But then as I got to start writing at first, I was just going to like copy and paste, just, you know, do just mm -hmm. a straight copy and turn it into a paper book. But I start saying, well, I want to add this and I want to modify this and I want to, 
you know, add this on. And so now the feedback I'm getting from guys, they like, Alan, you could say this is a rewrite of the possibility of sex, but this is almost like a totally new additional book. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that explains it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, do you have any plans on writing any more books? Um, you know, since we've last spoke, um, you've gotten married and you've actually had a baby. Like that's a lot. <laughs> and and to make a book at the same time, I think you you've been you've been working. That's right. I'm a, I'm a working brother. That's right. Mr. Worker Man. That's right. Mm-hmm. Baby Maker 3000 be working. <laughs> the one book that a lot of my male clients want me to write is a book about uh, BDSM, BDSM and erotic domination. Oh. oh. So that's, I haven't decided to do that book, but it's a thought. Yeah. How that far would be would interesting. You, yeah. How far would you say that you're into um, the BDSM seduction, uh, well, the seduction community slash BDSM um, community? How far would you say that you're into it? Oh, I'm honestly, I'm not nearly as I had somebody ask me that on a Patreon exclusive live stream just recently. And uh, I'm not as deep like it. Here's when, you know, you're really deep into the BDSM lifestyle is when you're going to what's known as a dungeon party at least once a month, every month. Oh, you, that you, sounds scary. Your subs are constantly wearing leather. <laughs> Um, and you're into all kinds of whipping and flogging. And so I'm not in that deep, although I have sporadically gone that deep. Um, like me and my wife, I would say we have a very basic level BDSM marriage. Um, like one simple thing, like my wife never, ever calls me Alan, like ever. I'm always referred to as daddy or sir. Okay. You know, um, I w- I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to Concrete. I'm pretty sure I tried to send it to her, but I know I sent it to Curlin. Um, and it's interesting that I, I watched a clip on Instagram one day and the man, it was actually a man complaining about women calling them daddy, saying that they had um, daddy issues or they uh, suffered some kind of abuse. And I was like, um, some men just actually preferred that. I don't think it was anything creepy or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I was like, what's the problem with it? Yeah, I've heard that a handful of times. I was on a couple years ago, I was on somebody's live stream and some dude from the chat was saying basically the same thing. He was saying, uh, I think guys who want to be called daddy are, are weird and fucked yeah, up in the head. I mean, you, you're just going to have haters, man. I mean, everybody got their, their preferences. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I like it. It's not something I, I per se force. My my wife just genuinely loves calling me daddy. And, so will that be confusing when the baby start talking? Baby, I'm not finna do this with you, Conk. No, I'm saying, well, <laughs> is she planning on? But you know what? I've heard, I've seen people who have kids, but they say they're. It's kind of like referring to their partner. So like, go ask daddy to do such and such, such and such. But I, I I've never seen a dynamic where the you know wife calls the husband daddy and they have like small kids 
Yeah, it's 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 gonna be interesting as he gets older. I think when he's young, he's just gonna assume that she's calling me daddy because I'm his daddy. Right. right, right when right. he gets to about 12, 13, 14, he's gonna be like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> two and two together. <laughs> I do have to ask a question. Sure. Um, since uh, Danny pointed out, you know, the fact that you've gotten married and had a baby since our last um, interview with your lovely wife, which is super dope. Um, but I wanted to know if that has impacted your outlook and or how you're perceived, because you kind of have like this, you know, there's a, there has been this perception of you where you kind of like are kind of like the master of game. So I want to know if you feel that that how you're perceived has changed and if your outlook has changed. Yeah, it's a lot of guys. Well, I ain't going to say a lot of guys. I'll say at least a small percentage of guys. Mainly, I would say it's more guys from the category of my haters and critics that that look at me differently than my supporters. Most of my supporters like Patreon subscribers, clients, they treat me the same. Um, the only difference with them is that I have a few more now asking me for marriage-related advice than before. Oh. Um, but I've on the, on the critical end, I've had guys say, uh, well, like just recently, I was on somebody, I can't remember who's, I think it was Mr. Fantastic's live stream. And uh, some guy came on in and said, man, if you marry, you out the game. So you can't teach game if you out the game. And I was like, hey, my stuff in my books is timeless. Number one, it's not specifically and exclusively geared towards single men. That's who the primary, I would say, demographic is, but that's not the exclusive demographic of my book. So therefore... Yeah, my, my advice has been around now for over 20 years. And the fact that I got married last year does not make it any less valid or less relevant. But the, I would say the biggest one, and this relates to a one-on-one -on -one interview I had with uh, Sister George's favorite foe, Bernard. <laughs> uh, that raggedy mother. Go ahead, <laughs> But, uh, he did his his next to last one on one he did with me was about my book, The Beta Male Revolution. And the theme of the interview was is ARC contradicting the beta male revolution? Because I had quite a few guys come out and say, Well, Alan, you know the fact that you're married means you're basically con blatantly contradicting the contents of your book, the beta male. Because a lot of guys viewed that book as an anti-marriage book. I think a lot had to do with simply the sub the subtitle of the beta male revolution was why many men in today's society are not getting married. Mm -hmm. So I think people just took that as, Oh, this is an anti-marriage book. But if you actually read the book, it, there's nowhere in the book where I say sp explicitly don't get married. I just point out the pro up on that, the pros and cons of marriage and I say that essentially that marriage for a lot of men is not as appealing in today's society as it was, say, in the 1940s, 1950s. Um, but uh, so, yeah, no, I, I haven't changed any like it hasn't being married hasn't caused me 
to want to go back in any of my books and retract anything or modify anything or I mean, I stand by everything I said when I was single. Okay. I find that interesting. And you know what? I feel like your wife is a, based on, you know, how you described your wife, I think that, you know, you guys sound like a match made in heaven, but she's a particular type of woman. So I think that, you know, I can see how you would still have the same mindset and that, you know, your views on anything has a change. Um, I think that you found something that works for you. So um, kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I wanted to dive off into the book um, some, right? Okay. Um, I noticed that you had talked about a guy named Anthony that you worked with in an office setting. And you mentioned that Anthony was a very standoffish type of guy toward the women. Um, basically, Just Anthony... Just rude. <laughs> honey, Anthony wasn't talking to him. He wasn't trying to converse with him. He have nothing for him. Anthony be at the copy machine. They're like, hey, Anthony. Anthony like, what's up? <laughs> Anthony going right back to the copy machine. Honey. I was like, geez. <laughs> no, no. See, you you gave him too much generosity there. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have said what's up. He would have looked at a woman like, bitch, why are you talking to me? Wow. Wow. That part. Well, what I wanted to know. Okay, so what I've noticed about men like that, they are very cognizant on who's paying attention to them. And I was wondering, um, could that same method be used on Anthony? Like if a woman was um, ignored, because they're always like when guys like that, and this is my opinion, my personal opinion, um, when you're dealing with men like that, um, they're always wondering who's watching them because a lot of women do pay those types of men attention. And I think it's a very good method. But mm -hmm. I was wondering, could that method be used on Anthony in reverse? Oh, I'm sure. It could. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure I've observed a lot of women that, you know, yeah, back in the day, if a woman exhibited the behavior of Anthony, plain and simply, they would be called by most men a stuck up bitch. Guys, yeah. oh, man, she's stuck up. She's a stuck up bitch. You know, because, yeah, I've been around women from time to time that just really didn't speak to anybody, didn't engage in, like, even just momentary cordial pleasantries. And that's how Anthony was. He, he didn't believe, like, he was a type, as I say in the book, he didn't, not only didn't he believe in just, lengthy small talk because even you know i've always been pretty much anti-lengthy small talk but he didn't even believe in like again what i would call just momentary cordial pleasantries such as there's that arc <laughs> arc 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 hi ladies <laughs> hey arc i'm gonna get jessica's voice in a minute that's funny <laughs> I, I, I gotta put that i gotta hire a rapper to include jessica x saying that and it gotta be some kind of hook on the rap song but um yeah uh anthony you know how if you have a nine to five job when somebody come in you you know like i would typically say like hey barbara how was your weekend and she's oh my weekend was fine then you know be like okay great anthony wouldn't do none of that like when mm -hmm. people would say, hey, Anthony, did you have a good weekend? He would just literally just look at him like with this expression, like, why the fuck are you talking to me? Yeah. And and I noticed about with that technique, 
So it does tend to draw people into you and make people want to please you like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with him? Why is he always acting like that? Why does he never pay attention? Um, Why doesn't he make small talk? Why isn't he even polite? You know, it's nothing to just say, hey, around the office. And I'm like, I would uh, I would. And if it was me, I would do Anthony the same freaking way. Like, I would look at Anthony like he was stupid. Because I, 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 well, I'd be figuring, like, I know what it is when I see guys act like that. And I'm like, You, uh, you know, uh, on a quick side note, and all my male followers know I love it. I'm a, number one, I'm a big movie buff. Uh-huh. And one of the number one movies I is in my top two, three favorite movies of all time is this movie called Heat with Al oh, Pacino. Yeah. And Robert De Niro. Yes. So you've seen that movie? Yeah. Never seen that. Never. No, honey, you gotta put that on your to do list this weekend. Um, he He, is lit. He is the shit. I've seen that movie. I'm not ashamed to admit. I've seen it in terms combination of at the movie theater, cable, VHS, DVD. I've seen that movie probably like 75 plus times. Wow. Wow. And um, yeah, I, it, I love it. Movie. Another movie I love by Michael Mann, who's the director, is this movie called Collateral with Tom Cruise and uh, Jamie Foxx. But anyway, so Sister George, since you've seen it, you might have to jog your memory. But there's this scene when De Niro first meets his love interest in this restaurant in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I actually knew that restaurant, I was familiar with it. But describe the scene that Chiro very briefly. There's a scene where De Niro comes in because he's going, his life is filled with just taking down scores. He identifies his next score, he executes it, then he moves on to the next score. So his next score is going to be these these precious metals. So he got a book about metals. And he doesn't realize that the woman who ends up being his love interest has been studying him in the bookstore. So he sits down (laughs) in the restaurant. And she says, so what you're eating? And the look at that moment that De Niro gives her is a classic Anthony-type look. For those that have seen the movie, De Niro in this moment, you know, most people might just respond and say, oh, I'm reading about such such. De Niro gives her a look basically like, bitch, why are you talking to me? I mean, I don't know you. Fuck you doing? What do you what, what, what are you asking? I mean, he doesn't sell that, but his look says that, like, bitch, I don't know you. Why are you talking to me? And finally, you know, he ends up warming up. But it, it's just so classic how he looks at her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that's definitely that's how Anthony was, and uh, well, that, that's how he looked at me. If you read in the book, yeah, you said he, uh, you you walk up to him and um, you ask him a question. He look at you like you were stupid, um, but you know you like hey what's up and then he finally said whatever it was whatever he had going on like he doesn't give women um a certain type of attention like for what you know what i'm saying and i I thought that was really really interesting and um i thought it was interesting with you having a transition from how much attention you would give women to um not giving women your free um not i think it's free non-sexual attention okay yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And I'm noticing a lot of guys trying to do that now. But, you know, when you have women that are um, starting to read up on these materials, 
Like I've read a lot of stuff about game, about seduction myself. And I'm like, you having a lot, you're having a lot of women that are reading up on game and seduction. How do you think that'll all play out if everybody knows the tricks? Mm. Oh, well, here's, here's the thing. I'm glad you asked that question. Ultimately, it's going to come down to, which would be a goal of mine, an objective of mine. Everybody would have to eventually just be real and authentic. You know, they just have to be real. I mean, because basically it relates to a comedy bit. It cuts out all the BS, basically. Yeah. It relates to a comedy bit that Chris Rock had. I remember Chris Rock had a classic bit where he, he was talking about dating and he said, he said, I'm paraphrasing this bit somewhat, but he said, let's be real. He said, most men and most women are not real on their first three to four dates. He said, I dare anybody say they are. He said, what most men and women do is they send their representative. Men, they send a representative of, of their most impressive side, their, what they think is their, their favorable side, and women do the same thing. He's basically, in some words, saying, all men and women for a minimum of the first three or four dates are full of shit. And that's where my mole one comes in because I believe in being just real, sometimes just hardcore real from the word go. I mean, I, I just weed out any um, full of shitness. I mean, I just, and I think for me, it started, you know, you both said you, you got a, who said again, mm -hmm. the biggest reference point for me more than arguably any other was uh verbal seduction story. Number one in who said again, because mm -hmm. basically in that story, I was on this triple date with two close friends. And for about the first hour, hour and 15 minutes, that's what I was doing. I was being full of shit with this woman. It's like, I was basically trying to get laid by acting like I wasn't trying to get laid, <laughs> which is what, a, believe it or not, what a lot of men do. I've seen it happen literally thousands of times. A lot of men will literally try to get laid by acting like they're not trying to get laid. I think that's common. Even if and, you think about men who like try to befriend you and like on a platonic level, typically they're waiting in the wings for something to happen. Exactly. But you, so I'm glad you brought that up because I did have a question relating to that. Okay. Okay. Um, you had mentioned, um, like ha women having genuine lust and people having genuine lust toward each other. Mm -hmm. Does mold one interfere with that genuine lust? Because it, it seems, and I want to say that I read um, somewhere in your book that um, like if it's, you should be able to have sex or, 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 or whatever you'll say, basically whatever you mean with exactly what you want from a woman, um, within the first, however long within meeting her, like first uh, 10, 15 minutes of meeting right. her, you're saying exactly what it is you want from her, exactly what you want to engage in her with, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so does that uh, help with genuine lust? Because you said, and I, and I want to say I disagreed on this a bit, that um, genuine lust couldn't be developed. And I thought, I thought that that was really, really interesting um, with with the seduction aspect of it. No, I, I don't. I don't think it, it can. Because there's a lot of indirect PUAs and indirect dating coaches that believe that over the course of say two or three dates, 
you can exponentially increase a woman's lust for you. That hasn't been my experience and observation. Um, lust, particularly for casual sex, strictly casual sex, it's either there or it's not. And um, see, here, here's what a lot of guys make the mistake, a simple mistake. A lot of guys think that they confuse likability with being uh, sexually desirable. And the reality is you don't have to be like for either gender. A woman could be a bitch. And if a man really wants to fuck her, he's going, he's going to want to fuck her. Despite the fact that she's just a straight up bitch. I was talking about that briefly. If you, if you remember on uh Bernard's just earlier this morning, I was mm -hmm. saying that uh, there's some women I've never, I basically said, I've never wanted to be in a long-term relationship with a woman that was a bitch but like a one night stand weekend fling hell yeah i fucked a lot of women that were just bitches because i wanted to see that contrast i wanted to see like again i referenced verbal seduction mm. story number one and who said again the, the woman in that story is a class example she acted like a total oh yeah first hour hour and 15 minutes of that triple date she acted like a straight up bitch towards me she was basically treating me like i was a beta male bitch boy and mm. then I, when we went outside, I flipped the script on her. And once I had my dick in her mouth, oh, oh shit. <laughs> that, that turned me on. Oh. Knowing that she acted like a bitch, I was like, yeah, who's acting like a bitch now? Yeah, you can't say anything because you got my dick in your fucking mouth. Wait, 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 oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, we got God. a super chat. Um, Danny, yes. you want to read it? Shout out to Eddie Adheem. Um, he says, enjoy your day, Sister Pat. And then he came back with another super chat to correct. Thank you. Maybe Eddie. you could have said that. Uh, you could have whispered it. I'd have been like, I know he missed us to join. Thank, <laughs> you, so thank you, Eddie. We appreciate you. Really appreciate that. I have a and, question for it. Oh, sorry. Wait, Go we ahead. got one more. Um, shout out to Cut to the Chase TV. He says, I used ARC Mode 1 Approach Monday at a bowling alley and got laid. She said she respected my direct assertiveness, and that's why she gave it up. Yeah. Well, shout out to you, Cut okay. to the Chase, getting some cutty on a yeah. Monday. Okay. He got some cutty. You know I'm in the A now, honey, so I got to start oh using y'all's lingo. He got some cutty. I've, now that he says that, I actually have a question. I mean, I had a different question, but I'm going to switch it. So mm -hmm. the um, your hardcore mode one approach, uh, I mean, and I guess it's because I can't fathom it. Does that approach, can that approach work on black women? Because I can't see it. Does it work? Does mode one hardcore work on black women? Yeah, oh, I can't see Alice black women it, falling me, for like, it. He said it work on black women, it work on blue women, it work yeah, on basically. <laughs> yeah, that's basically now, where I, I was gonna go. It, it, it ain't no race of woman that I've ever come across. Because I have heard that early on, years when I first started as a book author dating coach. It's funny, I would have each race say that about the other, like white guys would say, really? Well, I bet Mo One only works on black women because I can't see it working on white women. <laughs> and then brothers would say, Hey, Alan, I don't think this would work on sisters. I think this only work on white women. <laughs> and so, but that's the thing, because most guys who've been following me for a while know I I've I've had casual sex with pretty much every single race on planet Earth. And yeah, there's now see, here's what black women will do 
if I did have to target black women again, <laughs> I thought for the upteenth time, reference verbal selection story number one, and even uh, another verbal selection story of significance would be what do you remember verbal seduction story number six, which is a very unique verbal seduction story? Who said again? What was that? That was when I did what I call wing the guy, which is basically there was a buddy of mine in California on his birthday weekend. I used my verbal seduction skills to help him score a threesome. I remember. And it was now normally. The easiest threesome usually that a guy is going to have is two women who know each other, like their girlfriends, they yeah, they buddies, or if it's two women that really don't know each other that well, at minimum they like each other. The the, the interesting task I had in front of me in that verbal seduction story was it was one black woman and one white woman. Now, the white woman didn't so much have a problem with the sister, but the sister had a problem with the white woman. She was basically like, I ain't fucking your boy if I got to share with this white bitch. And without going long story, I used the combination of my BDSM Dom talents and my verbal seduction talents to get in check. And moments later, she was submissive and she was like, and it went down. And, um, but yeah, a lot of sisters like to put on this tough exterior because they don't want to look, a lot of them have this, this thing where they don't want to look like the easy lay and look like, you know, you getting over on them. So, but what I found is that for a lot of sisters, and this is what I try to explain to a lot of clients who've had tough times with sisters. Now, some of them, women, they're, they're genuinely, you know, just hardcore bitches. So I don't want to excuse that. But there's a lot of sisters who who play the role. They play the role of of the tough bitch. And then when you break them down, what's interesting, again, I would say the woman in verbal selection story number one. You should have seen when I broke her, she like literally went 180 degrees from this like tough, smart, elecky, sassy mouth bitch to on her own calling me sir. Like a lot of times when women call me sir, I suggest they call me sir. This woman on her own just start, once I broke her, she was saying, sir, sir, you want me to go to take you to my car, sir? Because I broke her. Because I realized, <laughs> wow. was, matter of fact, one of the alternative titles for my book, my one, that my longtime followers know, it was going to be called Facades. And I was going to put the emphasis that, and I still do in the book, both men and women, they, they, they put on a lot of facades. You know, guys put on facades when, they, when it's conducive to their objectives. For example, a simple example with a guy, with another guy would be, you know, if a guy don't want to be bullied, he's going to act tougher than he maybe really is. You know, and... um Women definitely put on a facade of being the innocent, wholesome, prudish, monogamy-oriented good girl when they know they got a freaky freak side to them. Wholesome pretenders? Is that the wholesome pretenders? That's right. That's right, Wait, let me ask you this, ARC. What would you consider me and concrete? Would you consider me and concrete wholesome pretenders? Oh, y'all both wholesome pretenders, y'all know. 
<laughs> Daddy don't even really pretend to be wholesome like that, though. I mean, what? like, it's so really concrete. I mean, no, I'm saying you don't pretend like you ain't as fake as me. Like you, you, you know. <laughs> now, now it's funny. I was talking There's about black women put on that tough. You know, I was teasing you to one of your live streams. You had this one picture, concrete, where you look. Uh, <laughs> you look uh, on that like, yeah, nigga, say something. Say oh it. yeah, but you are being this tough, this coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you got a soft side, but uh, yeah, you know, so, um, but yeah, anyway, the original question was, yeah, is there any difference? No, I haven't found any difference. Um, here's the only challenge actually sometimes with Mo One. I hate to call out stupid women, but if a woman was just like stupid, like a, a, a bona fide airhead type. Yeah, they just like Mo One works exceptionally well on women who have a reasonably decent degree of intelligence. Gotcha. Gotcha. That actually makes sense. Um, because mm. when women are smart, smart women tend to know what they want more so. But uh That's a good point. Yeah, I'm gonna read these super chats. Shout out to Primetime VA. He says, No ball cap today, Sister George. You know, we got the king of verbal seduction here, child. So I was trying to uh have my little outfit going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to Eddie and he he says, Damn, I can't even make mistakes. Eddie ain't no mistakes over here, baby. You good, your, your money good over here, honey. L listen, right. I'm trying to tell you. And shout out to Platinum Elite. He says, Sister George, for you and for you, for food, for your boo, and support the channel. Take care, Concrete Rose. Walmart money. Um, honey, um, Curlin is going to get the best beef stroganoff their money Listen, has to buy. Just we wait. appreciate you, Plat. Thank you for blessing us. Always yes. love you. <laughs> I had a question, another question for you, though. Sure. Um, I apologize for the background noise because I'm in my living room, so it's a little loud. So be, um, oh, I, I apologize in advance. I but um, I wanted to know, being that women are concerned about judgment and you know how they appear, like their their reputations, um, do you think a man's direct approach or him uh, exercising mode one works better if it happens in a private setting? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause, um, well, see that, that goes into my, my coaching. Uh, that's one of the things I coach a lot of guys about is that you don't want to ever try to expose a woman's sexual duplicity in front of her, her girlfriends who she knows are judgmental because they're they going 19 out of 20 times, they're going to have an adverse reaction to that. And because, uh, yeah, a lot of times a woman's closest girlfriends can be the most judgmental people she know. So true. And they're so, probably all doing the same thing. You exactly, know what I mean? But they're hiding exactly. it from one another. There you go. Exactly. And so like what I do, for example, typically when I've approached a woman in groups, I'll talk to the whole group for like two or three minutes and then I basically pull the woman I want to talk to away from the group, three, four, five feet away from the group and talk to her. And like one thing you, if you remember that's mentioned in the, um, 
who said again is I like to ideally, I like to talk to a woman in like a half whisper tone in her left ear. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to point that out, some people ask me a lot, you know, why specifically the left ear? And the reason why is because each of your ear is connected to the opposite side of your brain. So your left ear is connected to your right brain and your right ear is connected to your left brain. And your left brain is much more logical, moralistic, legalistic. It looks at things as right versus wrong, appropriate versus inappropriate. Whereas the right side of your brain is more spontaneous, more creative, more impulsive. So you kind of gain some degree of an advantage when you talk to a woman in her left ear because it's feeding into the, that right brain side. I never knew that. I mean, I I know I remember you describing it and say it again, but I didn't know the reasoning behind why it was the left ear. Yeah, because like most, for example, most mathematicians, scientists are considered left brain oriented. People who are like that type of career, they're considered left brain. Whereas like mm. actors, singers, artists, creatives, considered right brain oriented. Mm, makes sense. I gotcha. Danny, you got another one or you want me to go again? No, actually, I have a couple more. Go ahead. Okay. Um, You mentioned in your book that men don't really care about getting compliments as much as they care about um, actually sleeping with a woman. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know how important was it to feed a man's ego? Men aren't driven by egotistical flattery in the same way women are. Like women, um, matter of fact, uh, if I had to highlight one other author other than myself, there's Mm -hmm. a book I'm a fan of called What Do Women Want by this author named Daniel Bergner. Really good book. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the things he points out in one of his chapters. He says, and I'm paraphrasing his words, but essentially he says, men... We like to fuck. Women, they can get off on just knowing that a man wants to fuck them. That can sustain them for weeks or months, just knowing that, you know, Brian Johnson wants to fuck them. You know, no no man is going to be egotistically satisfied by knowing that Linda Williams wants to suck his dick. They're going to want Linda Williams to suck his dick. And so... You know, not I'm not saying we we don't appreciate flattery. Like if a woman says, Alan, you know, you're handsome or anything like that, of course I appreciate those type of compliments. But if my if my objective is to have sex with her, no compliment that she can express is gonna compensate for me fucking the shit out of her. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about the confines of a relationship? Same thing. That's a good point, because I know when you say that, you know, like you don't give, you know, free attention in even in the form of like um, basically kind of like fluff and, 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 you know, meaningless compliments. Like, shouldn't that differ, though, in, in a relationship in order, like to keep the spark alive and to maintain that connection with your partner? 
Wait, I mean, I don't, you're gonna have to say that that question again. Should, well, like when you talk about like not engaging in meaningless conversation and giving meaningless compliments, like shouldn't that differ when a person is in a relationship because you want to ensure that you're keeping that connection alive between you, yourself and your partner? If if that's something that women thrive off of, because she could go seek that attention elsewhere. Well, see, you just said a key word when you asked me that question. You said meaningless compliment, basically disingenuous. Or mm. I would never want to express a meaningless compliment to my wife. I got you. Because then that negates all the other compliments. I want all my compliments to be genuine and profound. So I don't walk around every day just saying to my wife, hey, you got a great smile. Hey, <laughs> your hair look good today. Hey, you smell good. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, she knows. Does there have to be something on the end of that where you actually want something? That's why you're giving the compliment. Like that seems disingenuous. You only compliment me because you want something. No, I give I give my wife compliments when I really feel the need, and that's what that's when she appreciates the most. Like just recently, um, I told her that she was an outstanding. So far in our marriage, she has been an outstanding wife to me and an outstanding mother to my son. And I really touched her. You know, Aww. yeah, you know, so if I said that like every other day, it wouldn't have meant nothing. But, you know, that was one of the first times I, I told her that, you know, I looked at dead in the eyes. I said, you've been an outstanding wife, no drama whatsoever. And she when I see her nurturing my son. It's it's just it you know I hate to sound you know warm and fuzzy here but uh, it moves me because uh, my you know fatherhood is is for me is a, is just a great thing beautiful thing mm, yeah it's it really beautiful is. and uh, so yeah that was a compliment I gave her recently that really you know touched I got you. I see thank you um, for kind of breaking it down I guess it makes sense when you're giving meaningful compliments in that way. I guess I was thinking about how you highlighted um, in your book, you know, that if there's a, when you're extending a compliment, that there's basically something you want on the other end of that, whether it be, you know, telling a woman she has nice lips because there's this sexual act, you you, you know. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. there's a section actually where I say, one of my advices for years with men is I always tell them, don't give what I call empty compliments. For example, right. you get on a train and a woman's standing in front of you or sitting in front of you and you say, hey, I just wanted to tell you, you have an outstanding smile. And she says, oh, thank you. And then that's the end of the conversation. Like, what the fuck did that mean? That didn't do shit. You know, so I say, in my opinion, a man should only give a compliment that's tied to a desired action or objective. For example. I would never go up to women and just say, you got some nice lips for her to say, oh, thank you. That's so sweet. I would say, oh, you got some nice, juicy lips. And I can't wait for my lips to be pressed against your lips within the next week or two. So when do you want to share my company? This weekend or next weekend? See, I've segued right into inviting her to share my company. But I'm not going to just go up to a woman and say, hey, you got some nice legs. Oh, thank you. You're so 
that's sweet. You know, that, no. <laughs> it makes sense. I got you. Um, once you explain it and add that clarity, I guess it, it makes it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um. Sh- well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, ARC. No, I was just gonna say, Concrete Rose is gonna say that a lot when you know when I give her responses because all my books make sense. I'm sure, but you know, sometimes like uh, when when I you know I'm I'm reading it in the ebook format, and I am just I only have my own mind to make sense of it. But hearing you explain it, that's why I enjoy the audiobooks, and I'm hoping that there's one coming for for um, no free attention because I really 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 enjoyed it. You know what? That was the first time that I had um, listened to an audiobook. And enjoyed it. Like I hadn't listened to an audiobook since college, and it was like watching paint dry. But knowing that it was in, it was your voice, you know. And I think too partially, like the familiarity that I have with you, but like it, it was very, very, very entertaining, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I hope one is coming um, in the in, oh, in yeah. the sometime in the future for no free attention. Yeah, I plan on definitely turning that into. I, actually, initially I wasn't. But because so many people say it's almost a totally different book than the original Possibility of Sex, then yeah, I've told my followers now I am going to do an audiobook version of it. Awesome. You need to, because <laughs> I'm definitely going to grab it. I'm sorry, Danny. I know you wanted to read the super chat. Um, shout out to Matt Scientist. He says, for men, it's the difference between seeing a picture of a steak and actually eating one. That's a hell of an analogy. I like that. Um, shout out to Eddie again. He says, I donated the most tonight. Who's trying to compete? Um, Eddie, I don't think they they about that life <laughs> at all, but we show sure appreciate you, Eddie. <laughs> show. Um, shout out to Ace and Spades. He says, action oriented compliments is what he calls them. Thank yeah. you so much, Ace. Um, ARC, I had another question. Um, you mentioned um, types of women. Um, um, okay, it was. Uh, so let me just ask the question because I forgot how to how I premised it because my notes are all over the place right now. And I'm looking at that like, damn. Okay, in your opinion, what type of sexual energy do most women engage in um, between material opportunistic? and genuine genuine sexual energy out of those two well when a woman has genuine lust for a man his level of career success financial success um academic achievements that becomes at minimum secondary if not flat out irrelevant all she cares about is I would, I would narrow it down to three things. She cares about his how he presents himself physically, i.e. his looks, um, his sense of confidence and masculinity, his demeanor and disposition, and how he expresses himself verbally, which is commonly known as his mouthpiece. And whereas when a woman is engaging in what I talk about in the book, materialistic or opportunistic sex, which the most common example would be like a street prostitute, professional call girl, upscale erotic escort. Those women, basically, what you're with, with a woman like that, you're basically paying them to turn themselves on. They're not turned on by the man. They 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 know how to turn themselves on. Matter of fact, 
if you do your research, you'll find that most street prostitutes and a lot of call girls, they always have some KY jelly along with them because they know those guys are not naturally organically getting them wet. So they have to use some type of lubricant before. Matter of fact, here's what <laughs> here's what clever pimps teach their hoes to do. Here's one of the differences between a street prostitute and a call girl escort. Street prostitute gets paid by the orgasm. It ain't by time, like say a call girl escort. So that said, what a street prostitute would try to do is quickly grab on to, to uh, the tricks dick and just jack them off real quick and make them come even before he tries to enter inside a pussy. So, cause she really don't want him to enter inside her if at all possible. And so if she can make them come, the quicker she can make them come, particularly without them having intercourse, the quicker she can get back on the street, turn another trick and make more money. And of course, that makes guys sometimes frustrated. And that's one of the reasons why you have pimps. Because back in the day, you know, if, if a woman did that trick with a guy, a guy be like, oh, bitch, you just basically gave me a hand up. I'm going to beat your mm -hmm. ass. And then she'd be like, no, you ain't about to beat my ass because Roscoe over there is my pimp and he's going to beat your ass. And so... But uh, yeah, when 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 there's manipulative, opportunistic sex, yeah, the woman is usually not genuinely turned on by the guy. What she does is she goes into her mind of fantasies and erotic thoughts and gets herself turned on in order to achieve whatever the objective is. If it's a better job, a job promotion, um, just some money, materialistic gifts, whatever. So what I point out in the book is that. If you just look at sex as sex, then it really don't make a difference between the two. But like, I'm the type of guy, you know, I like to feel like a woman has genuine lust for me. I don't, I don't want, I don't like feeling like a woman just wouldn't fuck me because she thinks I'm a do something, you know, financially generous or materialistically generous for. Um, but some guys are cool with that. I mean, and more power to those guys. You know, I ain't, you know, no judgment yeah. against those guys. If, if they cool with that, more power to them. That's interesting that you said that um, because with mode one and how easy it is for you, and what I'm talking about for you, um, <laughs> to get a uh, vagina. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, okay, would you consider that being genuine lust because i feel like um women will get excited because it's different or um it's at the drop of a moment it's it's kind of um spur of the moment type of thing and i notice that people in general respond to situations like that when it's unexpected everybody gets hard everybody gets uh lubricant lubricated um you could say wet <laughs> it's okay she's trying to be peace politically correct I know, you know, I catch hell every time I talk to ARC, honey. Not from curling, but you know, I'm just saying in mm -hmm. general. Oh, oh my God. God. But I'm saying, like, is it, do you think it's, if that, do you think that's genuine lust or is it um, something that's happening in the moment that you're, that it's unexpected? Um, because when stuff is unexpected, I think most people get excited about the unexpected. And I, but I don't necessarily know if that's lust. Right. Well, well I would say both. I would say both. I okay. would say it's, uh, 
is both components is the, as far as the unexpected, here's what's unexpected. And again, I reference who said again, I spent a lot of time talking about social programming and cultural conditioning. Most of us human beings from the time we're children and preteens, we have people who are influential in our lives and just various factions of society saying, this is the way you're supposed to act. This is the way you're supposed to act. And there's little finite differences between men and women. For example, women, most women, there's exceptions, but most women are usually taught by their mothers. And if they got a father in their life, their fathers to go out in the world and present themselves as the respectable good girl. And so when you run across somebody who's so real, so authentic, that ignores all conventional norms of, of social programming and cultural conditioning, our first reaction is to say that person's rude. That person yeah. is exhibiting inappropriate behavior. But that's all really what rude behavior is. Really on analysis is rude behavior is behavior that goes against that particular culture's norms for socially programmed, socially appropriate behavior. Like, for example, certain Asian cultures, if you walk into a house with your shoes on, they consider that rude. Now, if you didn't know that that was a violation, you know, of their social norms, you wouldn't know that. But when I'm on one, here's how I basically address women when I'm on one. I essentially come at women with attitude of, let's say I'm talking to a woman named Linda. I'm basically like, I might not say all this, but this is my underlying attitude. It's like, Linda, come on. Me and you both know that you're not as prudish as you're presenting yourself to me right now. We both know you're not as monogamy oriented as you're presenting yourself. I know you have a kinky side. I want to give you permission to unleash it. Because I know you want to unleash it. I you know you don't want to be the good girl. <laughs> Does that really work? Oh, Concrete, don't cry. You know I work on you, girl. <laughs> uh-uh, I stay clear. Uh-uh, I run, baby. No. <laughs> so so here, here's when you can tell when women are fighting. There's some women, they're going to do one of three things. A woman's either going to reciprocate your sexual advances when you're more one. On the exact opposite end, she's going to reject it. Or she's going to mm -hmm try to resist resisting means that 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 social programming cultural conditioning voice is talking loud in mm -hmm. her right ear and it's saying girl don't give in to this dude he's just trying to fuck you he's just trying to pump and dump you don't he an asshole he a jerk don't don't do that you're a respectable good girl girl you better maintain your good girl image but then that little naughty side the side that's got her pussy tingling that little devil like i like to say on the left shoulder saying Girl, that nigga is bold. He got some balls and he telling you straight up he want to slide his juicy dick all in your pussy. Oh, my you God. <laughs> you, know, you know you want him to fuck you. You know you want him to fuck you. And so she has this fight in her head and it comes off in real time. I'm as, just going to stay I'm not that kind of girl. I don't know why you're talking to me like that. I mean, I, I don't I don't like just jumping. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't man. But yet she's still standing in front of me. She's still sitting next to me. She ain't into the conversation. So 
I know what's up. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, I, and I've seen, I know women like that. They want you to kind of, they want to feel like they were talked into, like they, they almost want you to talk them into it, but it's like they're complicit because like you said, they'll sit right there and, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. So, yeah. It's like the example I give in the book, in, in, not this book, New for Attention, but in said again, I use a, a food example. Like I say, imagine if you're a guy and you love German chocolate cake. But in the last, say, six to eight weeks, you've decided to go on a low-carb diet. Okay? Now, if you go over a friend, you go over a friend's house, let's say that friend is me. And let's say my buddy's name is Jonathan. And I, I, I have some German chocolate cake. I say, hey, Jonathan, you want a slice of this German cho chocolate cake? And he says, nah, man, you know, I'm I'm doing a low-carb thing. And I could be a good friend and say, oh, that's that's great. You're trying to lose weight? Okay, never mind. But if I want to fuck with him because I know he used to eat it, I'm going to be like, yo, dude, you don't want a piece of this German chocolate cake, man? All this chocolate, coconut, nuts. You don't want some of this German chocolate cake? <laughs> And I'm fucking with him because I know he used to love this shit. I used to see him eat it with ice cream. You know, and if I keep tempting him, at some point, his subconscious mind is going to take over. Because he it's not like he doesn't like German chocolate cake. He's resisting the urge to eat it because of his diet. Big difference. And if guys are listening to me, it applies the same thing with sexual desire. It's a difference between a woman flat out not wanting you to fuck her versus she deep down does, but she's resisting the urge to give mm -hmm. in. Big difference. Because rejection, that's the thing. And that's one thing I highlight in No Free Attention. And see, this is one of men's biggest weakness, if not arguably their single biggest weakness. One of the things that gives me the ammunition to be so verbally bold with women and sexually straightforward women is that I reached a point in my life, starting with my early to mid-20s, where rejection just doesn't phase me. I'm not scared of rejection. My attitude is, if a woman is 100% genuinely not interested in having sex with me, the sooner I know that, the better. I don't want to take a woman out on three dates only for her to say at the end of the third date, well, you know, that date was, you know, you took me to three five-star restaurants and, you know, but I just not feeling you that way. I'm sorry. I, know. I just want to be friends. No, that I makes perfect her. sense, though. Like, why wouldn't you want to know as soon as possible instead of continuing to waste your time and resources and wasting her time? But that, That's how it should I, be. I, 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 I kind of want to interject something there because I thought about that, too. And I guess if you're dealing with a person that's non-charismatic and and um is doesn't really consider themselves desirable, um, or even if they did, you know, I think that like if you have a lot of people coming at you short term, um, I think a lot of guys know the game nowadays. I think a lot of guys have um certain skill a, a certain skill set to, uh these days. And so when you have a lot of that approaching you. Um, I, I just think it's less inapt to work because everybody is starting to possess those um, that skill set. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's wait, true. wait, wait, wait. Okay, you you confusing me there because it sounds like you're conflating Mo One with being manipulative, and those two are not synonymous at all. No, I don't think Mo One is manipulative at all. Um, I'm saying that if you have a guy who pos who possesses uh, verbal seduction skills and they have um, and you're attracted to them, I feel like there's a lot of guys like that now. Um, you kind of go pick those guys like flowers, but I'm saying like mode one wouldn't necessarily to me, to me, I don't think it would necessarily work on a certain type of woman unless that's exactly what she wanted. If she wanted it, then, then it's not even that mode one worked on her because that's what she wanted. But if you're dealing with somebody that's used to attention from men, um, and attention from certain types of men, I, I just don't see it working as well because she's getting attention from those types of men like you you know. Well, see, this goes back to the genuine lust versus um, manipulative and opportunistic type interests. And this is why you have, when it comes to verbal game in the manosphere, there's been a long-standing debate between direct verbal game, which Mo One represents, and indirect verbal game. And those who are fans and enthusiasts of indirect verbal game believe that you got to give a woman a lot of attention first. You got to flatter her. You got to entertain her. You got to engage in conversation that makes her feel comfortable. You got to get her to like you. And then she'll essentially reward you with sex. And yeah, if she's a, a manipulative type woman, there's a good chance she might just do that. But the flip side of that is when you engage in indirect verbal game, you automatically, and this is a, one of the main premises of my book, The Original Possibility of Sex, and my rewrite, No Free Attention. When you use indirect game, if, you, if you're in the company of a woman who, what I refer to as a manipulative time waster, meaning a woman who's not interested in having sex with you, but she knows how to do uh, execute an Academy Award winning performance like she is reasonably interested, you're going to get played. I've seen so many. I can't, I'm talking about literally thousands of guys get played because they basically believe, well, I can't be too straightforward. I got to be a little more subtle. I got to be a little more indirect. And then they end up getting played. You can get laid. I'm not saying you can't get laid being indirect. You most certainly can. I got laid a few times in my younger years being indirect. But the, the risk involved is that, again, when you're cross paths with a seasoned, savvy, manipulative time waster, it's not like a 90% chance. It's not a 95% chance. It's not even a 99.9% .9 chance. It's a 100% chance you are going to waste time and money for nothing, for no payoff. I can understand that because that's that's her that's her end game. Like that is she's literally desires to waste your time. She is like stringing you along, and typically it's because there's some benefit to her. She's getting free meals. She's you know getting you know um, gifts, whatever it, it might be. Um, like one guy you interviewed mm -hmm. that acknowledged this, that I did a response video, is Ramil Amir. Because me mm -hmm. and Ramil Amir, I got a lot mm -hmm. of love for him. Because among other things, he he. He, he labeled me the greatest dating coach of all time, the GOAT, and I appreciated that. But if you know about my four modes, 
Ramil more so favors mode two, which is not as bad as mode three, but mm. I don't think it's as effective as mode. Well, mode two is basically when you're vague and ambiguous. Mm-hmm. It's still indirect, but it's not blatant lying to women and like telling but them he, you he's, love her. He's but he promotes that, lying. Yeah, yeah, he said that you, uh, if they're out here lying, right. then you, you should be out here to lying too. Like, yeah. why not? But, but speaking of wasting time, I remember Ramil did a video last year. He he was he did he was promoting indirect game essentially, but he he did his top five weaknesses of his indirect game, and two. Of his five weaknesses was you put yourself in a position to waste a lot of invest a lot of time pursuing a woman without ever getting any pussy. And you waste you waste uh you can invest a lot of money pursuing a woman and never get no pussy. And see, that's my whole thing. I'm not trying to do that. That's where Mo One comes in. Mo one for the women that are interested, you're gonna end up having sex with them, and for the women who are not. You're going to basically force them to tell you that up front, up gotcha. front in the first by the end of the first conversation. It ain't going to be after the, the second date or the third date or the fifth date or after 10 hours of talking on the phone. I put women in a position of women who are not interested in having sex with me where they got to let me know that within usually roughly the first five, 10, 15 minutes of my very first conversation. I put them in a position where they have to say I'm not interested. And that leaves them frustrated. Like well, a lot of manipulative time waste, they will go off on you. They call well, you all kinds of assholes and jerks because they don't want to be and, in that position. So what I'm curious about, and that's interesting that you brought that up. Very interesting. Okay. You can meet a person and you could possibly be interested in a sexual um encounter with them but mm-hmm. what if you wanted something more what if you don't want just a sexual encounter um would you would you have waited for a woman like that like yeah i don't, I don't, like I don't leave met. women on i don't oh. leave women on mm-hmm. okay well to me that's not necessarily leading a woman on but i'm not going to have sex with the guy um, who approached me five minutes or 10 minutes ago and be like, yeah, I want to have sex with you. I think you're, I think your lips are nice and I can't wait to have my lips on top of yours. The next encounter, when can we share? Con-? Like, okay, I got That's you. because of your programming. So wait a minute. So wait, let me get this straight, Sister George. You telling me that the only sex you want with a man is relationship sex. Is that what you're saying to me? Of course, at this point, yes. But um, prior okay, to let's, getting let's prior, pre, let's just talk prior to this relationship. Let's say pre-curling when you were pre-curling out there. Um, you only wanted to engage in relationship sex. At one point, pre-curling, yes, I wanted to engage in relationship sex. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say when I was younger um, that. Uh, you know, whatever. But I, I felt like I chose the dudes that I wanted to have sex with, and that's what I did. Um, or whatever, but okay, you confuse me. Be, let, let, let's, let's, let's what I'm saying real. is like you, you, you know, good and well pre curling that there was some guys you said, I don't want that guy to be my husband or long-term boyfriend. I just want some good dick from that dude. Yes. But that's what my, yes, okay, but part what? Of, what my, my part of my point is if I wanted the sex game, isn't going to work on me. If that's what I want, um, you can't tell me anything that would make me, um, want to sleep with you. Now you can talk yourself out of some, but you can't tell me anything that would make me want to sleep with you if that's what I already wanted to do. And so what I'm saying to, um, the point I was trying to make is 
if a woman is looking for something more serious, if she is looking for something more serious and she wants to have a relationship, how does that work when a guy is trying to uh, use mode one um, to have sex? Like, does he ever like how does that work out? Because she's like, OK, I want to give it to you, but I, I want to develop something first. Well, um, is mode one. Does this mode is one why you have direct versus indirect. Again, yes, the debate I was just talking about. See, let me guys believe though. that given to, related to your question, this is what a lot of indirect guys, I, I'm going to call out his name. I know people have been waiting for me to say, Alphamel Strategies, he's probably no one person I associate among other people with indirect game. See, guys like Alphamel Strategies believe that if you meet a woman who ideally is looking for a relationship, that if you're more one, you're going to quote unquote leave pussy on the table. That's his big thing. He's done a few videos about that. He says, being too direct, you're going to leave pussy on the table when you run across a woman who ideally wants a relationship. So his attitude basically, in a nutshell, is what you do is over a period of days, weeks, you pretend like you're open to a relationship too. And then once you get that pussy, you just dump the bitch. See, I'm, I'm not down with that program. I'm not saying it won't work. I know guys who have executed that to perfection. I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to tell a woman, I'm going to look a woman dead in her eyes. If I know for 100% fact that I have no interest in a relationship, I'm going to tell a woman, hey, if you're looking for a boyfriend, I ain't the one. If you're looking for your future husband, I ain't the one. But okay. if you're looking for a good fuck, I'm the one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So it still goes kind of back to mode one and it still makes a person reveal um, exactly what it is they want when they're being mode one. But then you have the other modes when a person is being indirect and being vague or just flat out lying. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. You yeah. brought me back to earth. Um, uh, <laughs> wait, let me read the super chat. Shout out to Larry Rogers for the super sticker. And shout out to Larry Rogers Jr. again. He says, there comes a time with, uh, with every woman that you have to go mode one. Um, some people just can't fathom <laughs> it being the first combo. Um, and that that's what I was trying to get at because I'm like, now if I'm looking for something, but if I want it, well, I guess he, yeah, he have to be like, if he wants a relationship or if he's going to lie or whatever, whatever. Gotcha. 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 Because see, here's the problem, Sister George, is that I use, I've had so many conversations with women that essentially went it both ways. Like when I did my blog talk radio show, there was a number of women I interviewed who would say on one end, they would say, you know what? I'm so sick of men just with all these lies and head games, all these lies and head games, shame, shame, shame on them. But then I say, okay, so if a man approaches you and he knows he don't want to marry you, he knows he don't want a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship with you. He knows he just wants to fuck you. Are you open to him straightforwardly? Oh, no, I don't want no man to tell me just straightforwardly that he just wants to fuck me. I think that's crass and disrespectful. And it's like, bitch, make up your fucking mind. Baby, you can't on one end be complaining about men because that's, that's what motivates men to lie and play games is because they feel like they're going to get an adverse reaction from being straightforward. So they say, okay, I'm a lot of this bitch then. But I'm going to sell her dream. I understand that ARC and I can't even, I will pretend that women don't want to be lied to, that women are not like have this deep programming and, um, you know, are, are kind of um, afraid Being lied to, to act on their deniability. 
there are women are afraid to to be uninhibited so uh because of judgment so i i do agree with everything that you're saying but um that that's just the way of the world i don't think that most women um who want something serious with a guy is going to react um positively towards someone approaching you know approaching them like employing mode one while approaching them well i'll just say this yeah, that's that's true for some women, a percentage of women. But again, and this is where my archetypes come in. See, there's a lot of women who are wholesome pretenders and erotic hypocrites, meaning that mm-hmm. they'll publicly act like they only indulge in sex within the context of a long-term relationship. But if you know how to talk to them in the right way, I mean, in other words, if your verbal seduction skills and your erotic dirty talk skills are on point, you can... I expose that kink in what I call their inner kinky freak side very quickly. Very I've had women that, I mean, that's what most of my story. Anytime I share a story, like some people here on YouTube think when I share stories, it's to more or less brag, but I don't, I don't share stories to brag, particularly with my clients. I share stories to demonstrate in polite terms, how sexually duplicitous most women are, and in more blunt terms, how full of shit most women are. A lot of women play the good girl role. There is a lot of actresses walking out here in society playing the good girl role. But if you're a motherfucker like me, I know how to see immediately see through that facade and break that shit down. Break it down to, to the point where I've had women begging for the dick. Literally. So begging for it. Okay, but that's what I'm getting at too. Um, it may not necessarily be that she wants to play games or she's trying to bullshit you around, but okay, this day and age, um, I and I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to have sex with somebody on the first date. That's your business, you know. We're everybody's grown, but if you chose to wait, like, okay, let me get to know you. Um, you don't feel like. Time out, time out. I hate to interrupt you, but see, I, I hear this so often. It, I'm sorry, it's kind of like almost irritating. I'm why sorry. do you need why does a woman need to quote unquote get to know a guy? Well, if she's I'm gonna, about I'm to gonna tell you exactly in casual why. sex. I'm gonna I'm gonna well, if you're engaging in casual sex, um, have you ever had casual sex with a woman and her pussy was as dry as a powder house and it was not exactly what you thought it was going to be, even though um, y'all seem to have chemistry and connection? Have you Never. ever had that happen to you before? Never, ever. OK, well, that's you. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys and guys have said that um, they've had quick sex with a woman. Um, the sex was not as good as they anticipated. Um, some guys probably couldn't even get it up. Um, and I've heard this story from women. I've heard it from a lot of women. Um, they'll have sex with a guy right off. The guy is too little, too short, too quick, too whatever. Um, the sex is just horrible. And she's like, damn, I wasted some ass on him. I didn't have to waste that pussy. If I had to just wait it, um, you know, um, all kind of possibilities could have happened. And so it's interesting it's an it's it's interesting, you know. Like it's wait a minute, really... wait, 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 wait a minute, Sister Joyce. <laughs> I've been through all this, so the, 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 nothing you could throw at me is not not any, any experience before. So here's okay. the deal: you saying that basically, if a man and woman jump in bed, quote unquote, too soon, things you know 
can prove to be disappointing. And that's true. That can uh-huh. happen. But here's the thing, though. You can have, I, I, here's a classic, classic, classic example of what I'm talking about. I was interviewing a woman, uh, a psychiatrist, psychologist out of New York on my blog talk radio show a few years ago. She was super cool. I, I don't know why her name is escapes me i want to say victoria andrews that's probably wrong but anyway we had the subject was a matter of fact it was related to what we're talking about the subject of the interview was should women free themselves up to have sex with a man sooner rather than later and my guess and she is a woman she made the point she said a lot of men and women make this mistake they're thinking and this is why I always, what's one of the number one things I'm known for here on YouTube and in the manosphere in general, is I always distinguish between the appeal of a man's sexual companionship and his non-sexual companionship, and the same with a woman. And this is what this woman was breaking down when I interviewed her on Blog Talk Radio. She said, you could spend a year and a half getting to know a man as just a human being, basically non-sexually, and you could establish five-star non-sexual chemistry, but that don't mean it's going to translate into five-star sexual chemistry. And this woman called into my show and said just that. She said she met this guy and she actually wanted to have sex with this guy. And, but he was deeply religious. So he kept saying, no, I want to wait. I want to wait. So they, they got to know each other for like 15 months. Then he proposed to her and she thought after he proposed, he was going to be down to have sex. And he said, no, I want to wait until we are married because he was, I'm speaking like that because he was from Africa and uh, I forget what specific country. And um, so then they finally got married and she said their non-sexual chemistry was anywhere from four and a half to five stars on a five-star scale. But on their honeymoon, she said the sex was so fucking disappointing that she filed for an annulment like within two weeks later. She said the sex was like one star. She wasted like two years of her life getting to know this dude non-sexually, but the sex was shit. So all that to say, all these these people try to give the impression, particularly women more so than men, that, hey, if I take time to get to know you, then the sex is going to be outstanding. That's bullshit. Well, if the sex is going to suck tomorrow, it's gonna suck five weeks from now. It ain't okay. got shit to do with non-sexual the non-sexual component. Okay, but even you said earlier in the interview, um, where you've had women begging, um, yeah. to have sex with you, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like certain aspects of um, certain aspects of lust. Um, it can take a certain, and, and, and you may, you may disagree with that and that's fine, but I kind of feel like, um, like, okay, prime example, if you have a man who doesn't want you and I'll go back to the example of Anthony, a man that's like, he's standoffish, he's not interested, whatever, whatever. And you have, um, women kind of like after you and begging for you. I think it does something to a woman when she knows that she can't just get your dick just as easy as, as going out and picking a flower. Like, I think it does something to a woman when a man, um, also has seductive seductive qualities and i do think that that's a part of seductive qualities like i like the man is in control he doesn't have to have sex with you because you want to have sex with him um 
I don't know. I, you know, I was just uh, thinking about that. Like uh, certain things to me lead to lust. Like when a man is not thirsty um, for your sex, it does um, cause more intrigue in a woman when a man oh, is not I, so I thirsty. I agree with that. I agree. So, now, here, I'm glad. Well, let me touch on that for a quick second. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, a lot of people, a lot of my critics, and man, if I, I got into this big back and forth with this uh, guy I really respected. Uh, he's a former street pimp. I ain't going to say his name on the show, but most people know who I'm talking about. But last year, me and this, this guy, we got into it because he tried to suggest that Mo One was synonymous with coming across as thirsty. I ain't never came across as thirsty with a woman. Just because you upfront and straightforward about your sexual desire. Here's thirsty. Thirsty is when you basically have that attitude towards a woman, presentation towards a woman, like, I'll do anything to fuck you. Like, oh, Sister George, damn, you are so fucking sexy. What I got to do to get that pussy? Oh, shit, I want it so bad. What I got to do, baby? I'll take you out to dinner. i buy you flowers every day. Come on. I, let me get that pussy. I just got to. See, that's thirsty. Straightforward. I would just be like, hey, Sister George, I don't want to talk to you about no books and favorite movies and shit. I want to slide my dick up in your pussy. When you're ready for me to do that, holler at your boy. That's the end of the discussion. You ain't going to never hear from me until you're ready to tell me we're ready to fuck. Because I got other options. I ain't going to be sweating you, calling you five times in, in three days and all that shit. I'm going to let you know, hey, I want to slide this dick in your pussy. I believe you do too. Matter of fact, sometimes I tell them, I know you do too. And then that's the end of the conversation. And sometimes here's the interesting thing. Sometimes I have conversations like that with a woman. I won't hear from her for like six months. Then all of a sudden that woman will call me out the blue. Like, Hey, Alan, I'll be like, who's this? This Denise, Denise jog my memory. Man, we was in the mall and you came up to me. You told me I had a juicy ass and you wanted to fuck me doggy style. And I've been thinking about that off and on for the last six months. And I wanted to know if you wanted to come by sometime this weekend. See, I call that planting the seeds. I planted the seed. It marinated in that woman's mind over a period of six months. And, uh, and then it, you know, Harvesting, I harvested, and uh, but yeah, it, it, there's no connection between as much as some critics again have tried to suggest. They think being direct again is synonymous with being thirsty, but thirsty has its connotations of desperation and like you willing to do anything to get in a woman's pants. I've never come at any woman in my life with an attitude like I'm willing to do anything to matter of fact there's one woman quick side story that if anybody pays attention to my channel if there's one woman i've mentioned arguably more than any other woman it's not a real name but i i refer to this woman as sharon she kind of resembled the actress sally richardson and uh we connected in california and the the, the plain of fame that our story was this was a woman who had dated like professional athletes entertainment celebrities Pretty much every guy she dated had big money. She she literally just did not mess around with broke dudes until she ran across Alan Roger Curry. When I met her, I came at her straightforward. And on top of being straightforward, I was super duper cocky. I was basically like, I'm going to fuck you. And I know you want me to fuck you. 
And she told me later on after we became fuck buddies, she said, Alan, I have to give it to you. She said, you intrigued me. She said, I have never, ever, ever, ever in my life met a guy as cocky as you that didn't financially or materialistically have shit to offer. Like, yeah, she just was blushed. She said, you ain't got like, because I was making like, at the time I messed around with her, I think I was making like 30 grand a year. And this is a woman who had normally dated guys that was making no less than 100 grand. Many times she was dating guys that made a half a million or more. But I just came at her so cocky, like, I know you want to share my company. I know you do. I went desperate, like, oh, baby, what I got to do? I, do I got to buy you a necklace? Do I got to buy you a bracelet? Do I got to take you out to dinner? What, what do I have to do in order to hook up with you? I was just like, no, I know you want to hook up with me. I know you do. Here's my number. I look forward to hearing from you. She didn't call me immediately, but when she called, it was on and popping. And uh, so, no, all that to say, no. Being direct has nothing to do with being thirsty. Thirsty means when you're thirsty, you're sending a, a message out to a woman that you don't have any other options, none, or at least no desirable options. I don't. I understand what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. I think that being direct is essentially just like cutting to the chase and saying what you want. And I, I, I know that we as women, we do say that that's what we want. We want men to be upfront. If that, you know, if that's all they. Uh, all they want is sex. We want them to tell us. But I guess um, in them telling us that doesn't take away our option to bow out because that's not what we're looking for. But um, I'll, I'll let you respond to that. But I wanted to know if um, you have a little bit of time, if we could go ahead and open it up and have a few guests join us, uh, join the panel and you know see if we have some questions from the chat. Sure. OK, and let me read these super chats real okay. quick. Um, shout out to Mad Scientist. He says indirect game is how people end up in situationships. True. Um, thank you so much, Mad Scientist. I think I got a couple more. Um, shout out to Larry Rogers again. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, How would you react to your how would you react to a guy you're really attracted to that doesn't go anywhere near mode one within the first three dates be honest and i think we already kind of touched on that um shout out to jack spade um thank you so much for the super chat he says women want what they want what they want at 2 p.m she may not want by 6 p.m so don't win or lose by her rules win or lose by your own um i think that's a good point jack um thank you guys so much for the super chats and i am getting ready to drop the link and ARC, if you wanted to respond to either of the super chats or um, the last part of what I said in reference to, um, you know, women retaining the right to decline if a woman or excuse me, if a man is direct and you and employs your uh, mode one approach. Oh, yeah. I want a woman again. If a woman is if I'm talking to a woman is genuinely just not interested in having sex with me. My simple thing is I want to know sooner rather than later. And because right. there are so many, again, this particular book, along with the original, no free attention and original possibility of sex center around my archetype. And I know I've talked about this during our first one-on-one -on -one interview, but I want to refresh the memory of my chat, the chat room of my five archetypes. I, when it comes to verbal communication style, I divide all women into five archetypes, which is the reciprocator, 
the rejector. Now, those two women, they're going to always keep shit a buck. They ain't going to try to bullshit a guy, play no head games. If they interested, they're going to straightforwardly tell you that. And a reciprocated will and a rejector, if she's not interested, she's going to straightforwardly tell you that. So those two women, that's the, the good thing about both of them. They ain't going to try to play no, no games. Now, the three women that are going to engage in some degree of head games is going to be the wholesome pretender, the erotic hypocrite, and the manipulative time waster. The wholesome pretender is simply a woman who deep down doesn't mind engaging in at least a few episodes of short-term and or non-monogamous casual sex, but because of her social programming and, and cultural conditioning and her adverse reaction to the potential of being slut-shamed, she wants to always present herself as the proverbial good girl. So she's going to always resist any advances of casual sex because she's she's basically thinking, well, I don't want to gain a reputation as a slut. I want I do want to get fucked, but I don't want to gain a reputation as a slut. Erotic hypocrite is similar to a wholesome pretender, but she's more status oriented, more materialistic, and a bit more antagonistic. So when you're more one with erotic hypocrite, she and this goes back to the question about is the difference between races. See, like a sister who's an erotic hypocrite, she'd be the type to be like, nigga, what you say? She like might try to loud talk you. Like I've had that happen at least a, a few times. I can I life. can see that. Like, nigga, what? I ain't no goddamn slut. Why are you coming at me like that? I ain't, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you? You better talk about taking me out to dinner or something. But then those women end up getting broke down and they 180 degrees the opposite. Then the, the, the archetype that this book, again, no free attention and the possibility of sex centers around manipulative time wasters, which I would say for the average guy might be the highest percentage of women he, he comes across with. That's that's another term for that would be simply a disingenuous flirt. A woman who's not interested in you, just like a rejector, is not interested in you. But the difference between her and a rejector is she doesn't want to have sex with you, but she very much wants to take advantage of your non-sexual attention. You, you know, you being flattering to her, you being entertaining, you being emotionally empathetic, you being financially generous. And see, these are the women that most leave guys bitter, angry, frustrated. Rejectors, a lot of people think it might be the rejectors, but most I find that the vast majority of guys, there might be a few exceptions, but the vast majority of guys get over quick, straightforward rejection within 24 hours or less. But when a man has invested time, effort, emotion, money into pursuing a woman to not even you know, end up with a hand job, Oh, they they going to end up very bitter. They're going to be like, man, that bitch played me. And I've been on the opposite end of the phone with many of my, some of my close friends over the years who've been like, you know, they start off and I would tell that guy, like, guy would be pursuing this woman. I say, man, dude, y'all ain't going to end up in bed. I guarantee you. Oh, no, man. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, man. I got this in the bag within a week or two. Next thing I know, that same dude calling me, man, that fucking bitch played me, man. She fucking played me, man. I'm going to spend all kinds of money on that bitch, man. She ain't even like, man, fuck that bitch. And I'll be like, dude, why are you saying fuck that bitch when you put yourself in that position? Should have been more one. So mm. there you go. Well, we have um, Real who is here. Um, Real, what did you think about the 
uh, our interview and what did you have to say to ARC? Well, first of all, I want to say hello to you ladies and everybody on the panel. And uh, I want to say uh, congratulations to you, ARC, man. Keep uh, doing this good work out here, man, and educating a lot of brothers that need to kind of get their honesty intact and their uh, charisma and so on and so forth. Thank you. But Thank you, um, the, the one thing that I do want to say, even though, Alan, I don't own any of your books um, or anything of that nature, I can't honestly say um, – Years ago, I started out being an honest, straightforward guy before I even got on here and knew who you were. So the concepts that you speak about in reference to honesty, I can honestly vouch and say it has honestly saved me a lot of time. Just me simply being honest, straightforward with women that I come across um, on the first conversation about what my desires are, why I'm taking time out of their day to stop them and so on and so forth. Because just like you said, from experience, there are a lot of women out here that are purposely putting different guys in different categories and each guy has a different slot. There's a guy she want to waste time with. Mm-hmm. There's a guy she might just want him for his money. Mm-hmm. She might just be bored. She might just be mad to her dude come back around or whatever the case may be, right? But this guy probably assumed, like most square dudes assume that if he has a number of a woman or if she called him, that she must automatically be sexually interested or actually want to date him. When in a lot of cases, that's kind of far from the situation. Exactly. So I found that when she be straightforwardly honest with a woman about your sexual desires, I don't think it makes her a bad woman or any of that. It kind of puts her in a situation where she has to immediately tell you the truth about how she truly feels about you. Mm-hmm. And um, the, one of the misconceptions I think that people got about ARC's message is that I think I heard somebody say that it only works on sluts and whores and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell y'all that that's not true. Exactly. Um, I've been straightforwardly honest with women that are doctors, nurses, sluts, whores, and so on and so forth. And I've slept with them and everybody from also out of all of those categories, there were some women that were trying to play games that were doctors, lawyers, or sluts or whatever the case may be. But what it does do is it identifies which woman is actually attracted to you and which women are not. So I already know that most men that approach women, we're approaching because we're sexually desiring of that woman. See, that's what all that dinner date is about. Dinner dates, to me, in my opinion, is just some backdoor tricking for the guy who's not honest enough to say, hey, sweetheart, I find you sexually desirable. I want to sleep with you and have a relationship. He's trying to paint this fairy tale to you to do this thing that he eventually wants to do anyway. So he he still wants the same thing that the straightforward, honest guy wants. It's just that me, Alan, and certain other guys, we're not verbal cowards. We're going to straightforwardly tell you how we feel in a respectable way. You know, it doesn't have to be disrespectful, but in a respectable way. This is how I'm feeling. And we give you the opportunity to respond in a respectable way on something that we already know that you know the answer to anyway. That's that's good. Great commentary, Rio. And and on that last point, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think you two ladies mentioned Mo One Hardcore. See, I have three variations of Mo One. And most of my critics, when they criticize Mo One, they almost always just talk about Mo One Hardcore, which is Mo One Hardcore is when I'm like explicit and use profanity and sexually explicit language pretty much within the first few seconds of the conversation. But then I have regular mode one, which is when you start off using like PG 13 language. And then over a period of five, 10, 15 minutes, you escalate to use a more provocative language. And then I have my most conservative is mode 1.5, which is when you don't use my brother actually came up with that. Cause my brother, he didn't like using profanity or X-rated language with women when he was mode one with them. He would use totally clean language. So, so Mo One, being Mo One is not synonymous 
with using profanity or X-rated language. I've had to point that out almost like a million times. But again, most of my critics, they, they say, hey, man, you can't just walk up to every woman and say, hey, I want to put my dick in your ear and fuck you in the ass. I'm like, no, <laughs> who, who has said you do? I, I know how to be explicit in a way that I know it, it turns a woman on. A lot of guys don't know how to be explicit in an arousing manner. They 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 come across more as abrasive and crass. And of course, that's not going to be a turn on. But anyway, I, I love the, the the commentary by the brother Real. Okay, thank you so much, Real. Um, Jessica X, welcome. Um, what did you think hey. about the interview? And what did you want to ask ARC? Good interview so far. Um, the question that I wanted to ask was: Is no free attention um, an addition to mode one? And if not, then where do you find the cutoff point um, of stopping giving them attention? Because if if you actually you know you're trying to get to know someone, how do you distinguish between not giving attention and needing to give attention to get in there? Well, that's a good question because yeah, a lot of guys have asked me similar questions. Like, because here's the deal. If you're meeting a woman that you genuinely are looking at as a potential long-term girlfriend or future wife, then in that situation, it's almost inevitable that you're going to have to give her access to your non-sexual attention. And it's not a bad thing because in order for any marriage or long-term relationship to work, both the sexual and non-sexual component of the relationship have to be at minimum above average and preferably exceptional. You got to have exceptional sexual chemistry and exceptional non-sexual chemistry. And see, that's what I tell guys. That's what dates are for. Dates, for me, I don't go on dates for casual sex. And I think anybody in this space and in the manosphere knows that about me. I don't I don't go on dates for casual sex because my attitude is, what's the point? See, the whole purpose of having casual sex with someone is when you just want to fuck, but you really don't want to spend time with that person non-sexually if you want to spend time with a person both sexually and non-sexually then then you're looking to engage in either a long-term monogamous relationship or you're looking to engage in what's known as a polyamorous relationship or open relationship like for example a, a friends with benefits partner would be somebody that you would spend time with both sexually and non-sexually so in that situation yeah, you, you're going to have to open up access to your non-sexual time, attention, and companionship. But like, say for a fuck buddy, like I did a Patreon video called The Distinction Between a Fuck Buddy and a Friends with Benefits Partner because some men use those two interchangeably, but they're not. A fuck buddy is somebody you hook up with just to fuck. Like when I have a fuck buddy, I don't, I don't go to the movies with them. I don't go to the bookstore and read books with them. I just fuck them. When, when I'm horny... I call them up. When they horny, they call me up. We fuck. But a friends with benefits partner, a polyamorous lover, a girlfriend, a fiance, a wife, those are women that you're going to be spending time with both sexually and non-sexually. And so the purpose of going on on a date is to establish, do we have non-sexual chemistry? Do we have some common interests? Um, uh, as our past, do we have overlaps in our past that, that will make our bond stronger? You know, our intellectually, are we on the same level and so on and so on? 
So that's that's the whole purpose. I the only women I've ever gone out on dates with were women that I was genuinely looked at as long-term girlfriend material or future wife material. But for guys that go on these disingenuous dates when they know they just want to smash a woman for two weeks, three weeks, a month, and, and so on, that's bullshit. And you get again, you go you open yourself up to get played. So uh so yeah, to answer your question, Jessica, it was a good question. Yeah, you you have to if I say this simply, if your objective is more than just strictly casual sex, then that's when a man, yeah, it's it, you almost have to open yourself up to giving a woman uh access to your non-sexual time attention. And but even then, you should manage it well. You shouldn't be just uh hanging out with a woman, say for 25 hours a week every week and set yourself up to just be played because because there are women out here that will just see here and this is what the possibility of sex enlighten a lot of men about a lot of men before reading my original book the possibility of sex they had this misguided impression that money was the only thing women use men for but i would say in most situations even more so than money a lot of women will use men for just flattering and entertaining attention and conversation. And then just dump them weeks later. And then those guys would be left wondering like, man, I thought we was going somewhere, man. I just like never heard from her again. Cause she was just using you because you were flattering. You were entertaining. You were emotionally empathetic. I mean, I always like to joke. In the same way, a lot of men are quick to call women sexual sluts because they feel like if a woman gives up access to her sexual companionship too quickly or too easily, that automatically makes her a slut. Most men, if, if we're going to go by that criteria, most men are non-sexual sluts. They give women quick, easy access to that non-sexual attention, making them laugh, mm. staying on the phone, joking with them. You're a non-sexual slut. And then you wonder why you're just getting used and then disposed like yesterday's tissue. I've never heard it put like that. Yeah. So what this book, you can say what the original possibility of sex in this new book, uh, No Free Attention, is, is essentially saying to man is don't be a non-sexual slut. You need to value, as a man, you need to value your non-sexual attention and companionship in the same way the vast majority of women value their sexual companionship. Okay. okay. Um, Alan Roger Curlin. Hey, babe. <laughs> hey, what's going on, baby? You know, uh, <laughs> Alan, man, man, if you got a dude use an example, man, don't, don't use my wife, man. Come on now. You, you can pick. <laughs> You can pick Pamela, you can pick Keish, you can pick anybody's name. But, 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 come, come on, man. You know what's going on, man. Don't do that. All right, we good. Man, is this really calling this a troll? <laughs> no, this no, is <laughs> What's up, brother Curly? What's going on, man? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but yeah, man, like, 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 cut base some slack, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, don't do that. It's not cool. Oh, what, what did I do with your wife or soon to be wife? Remember, you, you, you was like your example. Oh my god! <laughs> right, right, right. He was like, like, 
Yeah, you know, uh, so if I run up on Sister George, man, oh, and okay. like, uh, yeah, I just yeah. want to smile right. my, right. my taggy right. in your playhouse, you know. Okay, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, man, I got work Point to do. I'll right, catch y'all later. All right, brother. All right, all right man. Babe. Um, next, I think, uh, the mad scientist the was it cut oh, to the mad, chase or the mad scientist? I think it was mad scientist yeah. and then cut to the chase. Mad scientist, what did you think about the interview and what did you have to say to ARC? Hey, ARC, how's it going? How's it going, everybody? Uh, What's great interview, man. I am a proud owner of Mold One. Uh, I share it with all my buddies and all my friends and, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting no free attention because that's something I'm, you know, a, a proponent of as well. And I think a lot of ladies should really be appreciative of Mode One because it keeps you from getting played too. Because there's a lot of guys that are out here, like Alan touched on, just taking you out to dinner, uh, gassing you up, uh, even selling you. We can call it selling you drinks because they just want to sleep with you. You know, tell you, oh yeah, I want you to have my baby and. We're going to get a white picket fence and a house in the suburbs. And he just he's just to string you along. He wants to sleep with you. But if he would have been mold one, you would have already known that he wouldn't waste your time and vice versa. And everything would be good. So mold one helps everybody. Yeah. You know what? It's funny, man. Scientists, you know, you probably heard this story before, but I did a um, my first co-ed presentation I ever did about Mo one was in January of 2006 in Chicago, this attorney, prominent black female attorney in Chicago. She was a friend of my cousin and she came up to me at a party. She used to organize these, these singles parties for upscale professional black singles in Chicago. And I never forget. She came up to me in one party. She said, so you're Alan Roger Curry. I said, yes. She said, I heard you wrote an ebook because it wasn't a paperback yet. She said, I heard you wrote an ebook that teaches men how to get more pussy. And I said, well, I, I would like to think my book is more profound than that. She said, well, I heard that's what it's about. And she started lightheartedly just criticizing. I said, well, here's the thing. I'll give you a complimentary copy of the ebook. If you think it's just all about just helping men get some more pussy, as you put it, you can put that on your website. I give you permission to even trash the ebook. But if you think it's more layered than that, and more profound than that, then you got to agree to help me promote it. She said, okay, deal. So I gave her three weeks to read it. She read it in two nights. And long story short, she loved it and invited me to do a speaking presentation. And it was about 40 sisters and about 25 brothers. And going into the speaking presentation, I thought most of my negative reactions were going to come from the women and all the guys were going to, you know, be supportive of me. Do you know it was almost just the opposite? Oh, I like, completely believe you. 95% of the women that were in attendance, they loved Mo One for a lot of reasons that mad scientists pointed out. They loved it. There was a few handful of women that, that had problems with some of the language, the Mo One R core version. But once I explained things, they, you know, they got cool. But I had about at least one third of the dudes, the brothers that was there, they was coming to me out to his time of man. All this honesty shit, man. You're gonna fuck up the game, man. You're gonna fuck up the game, man. 
The reason why I'm able to run game on hoes, man, is because I be lying to them and bullshitting them, man. You gonna fuck up the shit, man, with all this like straightforward. I can see men that. feeling like that. Yeah, man, they was yeah. all like negative. Me and one dude, we almost like came to blows. This guy kept saying he was the top pimp and player in the city of Chicago, and I was like, no, you ain't. If you lying to women, you ain't no pimp or no player. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of arguments about that. I, you know, you know, mm -hmm. my position is selling dreams, uh, you know, misrepresenting yourself. That's not game. Game is being honest, and she wants to fuck with you, regardless. Exactly. You know, that's yeah. game. Yeah. You know, so misrepresenting yourself—that's not game. May, may I chime in for a second? Yeah. Um, we were actually trying to go in order so everybody would have an equal opportunity to speak, if you don't mind. Um, next we have um cut to the chase. And I I think you were cut to the chase smooth and then UGC. Sorry right. about that. No worries. Okay. Okay, y'all hear me? Yeah, hey. we can hear you we just fine. You. Um hey. what did you think of their interview and what did you have to ask the ARC? Yeah, I think the interview was great. I always like hearing ARC speak. Um, but I got I got a scenario with ARC that happened to me Monday. I want to I want to know is this mode one or not? Okay. Because all right, I got a chick number. It took me like a week to meet up with her. She invited me to a bowling alley, so I get there. It's the first um meetup besides me initially getting her number, and I just left. So we meet up at the bowling alley, and she asked me how did I look, and I was I just used the mode one approach. I said I want to lick you from your head to your toe. You need to, you look, you look damn good. And she kind of laughed it off. That's ludicrous. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. And she, <laughs> she laughed. Hey, I'm going to tell you. And she laughed it off. She smiled. So we was bowling. I was getting behind her. I like, damn, you look good. So, no, we, I'm flirting with her and shit. So we bowl. We have a few drinks. I give her a hug. And she said, wait, um, do you live alone? I said, yeah, I told you I live alone. She said, you mind if I come back to your spot? And I knew once I get her back to my house, she stood no chance. So, you know, we did our thing. And the next day she called me. She was like, so what do you think about last night? Do you think it was too soon? I was like, no. She said, the reason why I came back to your spot, because you built the sexual um, tension. And it made me want to come back to your spot. So was that my whole one? Because if you think about it, I was giving a female my non-sexual attention. Because I was interested in her. But when she asked me how she looked, I was just telling her how I felt. I want to lick you from your head to your toe. I want to fuck the shit out of you. So the day you got her number, did you let her know you wanted to be intimate with her? Um, she sent me a pic and some boy shorts. Like, I like, what's your body type? I like, I want to see you in some little ass shorts. So she sent me that. So it was kind of the sexual tension was already kind of building. But when I got her in person, I but prior to meeting her, I didn't tell her we was going back to my spot. I didn't say I want to fuck you. Let's leave right now. I just told her. She asked me how she looked, and I told her I want to fuck you. And she said that's why she wanted to come back to my spot. So we bowled and she came back to my spot. Well, if anything, I would say it was kind of a delayed Mo one. I mean, because Mo one would be when you make that first initial interaction, you let a woman know that pretty much the reason you're talking to her <laughs> is because you want to be intimate with her. Now, hey, it's not like you didn't do that. So hey, but I didn't I didn't see well, I, I met her in Macy's. I didn't just walk up to her in Macy's and be like, damn, I want to honestly you know, in reverse though, from the way you describe that story. At the bowling alley, she was mowing one with you. Wait, how was she mowing one with me, though? She asked me how she looked, and I actually... Uh -oh. You live alone, and you said, yes, yeah. she said, I want to come back to your place. She that yeah. she, she was yeah. mowing one. When it was time to leave, she asked, she initiated... Cause I wasn't going to take her back. I was cool with just um, 
you know, I'm finna leave. I gave her a hug and she was like, wait a minute, where you going? You going home? I was like, yeah. She's like, can I come back to your spot? I want to stop by for a while. Yeah, see, she was, was she she honestly between the two of y'all, she was more more. <laughs> hey, but check this out. What I'm noticing, people are calling you a simp in the chat. Cut. Maybe it's because you said hey. you wanted to lick her, and I wanted hey, to know what ARC thought about that. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> see, hey. Let, let's say this. Here's why I would say it wasn't more one because you went to you agreed to go to the bowling alley with her. Let's say at the end of y'all bowling, she would have said, you know what. Cut. I just want to be friends with you. When you say that, ninety nine percent chance you would have left that bowling alley frustrated, or no? Um, I don't know because I told her um, to wear some lace um, panties to the bowling alley. Mm -hmm. And when I got her back to my spot, she laughed it off. When she like, boy, but when I got her back to my spot, she had lace panties on. So I'm assuming that she was gonna fuck me either way that night. That's what it's. That's what I'm like. assuming. So I don't know if I'm more one. I don't know if I'm just handsome and she just was feeling me because she made it seem like I built the sexual tension with her. That's the only reason why she came back to my spot. That's how she made it seem like it was all on me. My mouthpiece was that immaculate that I built up the sexual tension, and that's why she decided. I said, I said you initiated because I was like, she was like, I was like you initiated coming back to my spot. Did she so, leave the forty dollars on the dresser, or did she hide it in your pants? Like we shorty need forty dollars. Shorty need forty dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have to. If I had to give a final verdict, I would say you were more so mold two, but she was mold one. All right, man, I take it though, pussy. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it. the end of the result, you got the end result you wanted, but yeah, yeah, that because again, you said when you first met her, you just pretty much got the number. See, I, I never just seek out a woman's number. I mean, unless it, if a woman's in a rush, that would be my one exception. If if I met a woman, say she was running to catch a train or something, and I might just give her my contact card. But I'm going to let a woman know why I'm talking to her. I didn't know. I just got the number and dipped. I didn't ask when she was single. Like, I assume when she gave me her number, um, she was interested in me. And then we started talking, and then she said, let's meet Monday at the bowling alley. So I met her. And then I took her home and fucked her. And she told me it was well, she set up the bowling alley, huh? Yeah, she wanted to meet up with me. Sound like she was the, the, the aggressor in this situation, initiated. Right. She was making shit happen, man. She she saw some dick she wanted and she got the dick. Hey, but but the reason why uh, I was she up took front you on a date. No, the reason why I was up front with her because I never had a problem getting women, but I ain't gonna lie to you. I used to use this. I used to lie to women. I never was just straight mode one with them. But they every time I fuck them, I would get a long text message. It will come back and they they'll tell me about myself. And I just got tired of fucking women. Then waking up to that text message like a few days later because they saying I just got what I wanted. I'm a scumbag. So I try to be upfront with them. Yeah, see with mode one, that that would never happen because. The only time women usually send you those type of text messages is when they feel like you've you've kind of misled them, led them on. See, I don't, I never do that with a woman. So I've never gotten, I've never received a text message like after I fucked a woman with a woman. Say, oh, you know, you're a jerk. You, I thought you cared for me. You're a jerk. Because yeah. nah, I, I let women know up front that hey, I just want to fuck. Hey, can I ask you one more question though, ARC? Sure. Before sure. I um, get off. Um, so I, I, you're older in age, right? And you know <laughs> the internet. No, the, you know well, the internet. Geez. The internet has evolved, right? Um, so do you know? So you said when you wrote your first book, you was probably around age 30, if, um, maybe 30 something, mid-30s. If, if you feel like you was mid-30s right now, 
Do you feel like mode one would be more recognizable? Do you feel like you can market your um logic more better if you was like in your prime years of your life right now? Oh, sure, because um I, I never forget when I had a book signing in 2006 in Ventura County, California. I had a guy who read my book. He was actually a semi-well-known comedian. He, he had been on Def Jam once or twice. I can't remember his name. Mark, it's Mark something. And um, so we were sitting in at the book signing, and I asked him what he thought of my book. And he said, Alan, he said, this is an excellent book, but here would be my, my one, I don't know if I call it a criticism, but he said, this book is way ahead of its time. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, Right now, the way society is right now, society is too about being politically correct. And uh, he said society ain't ready for more one. But he said about 10, 15, 20 years from now, he said, man, your more one approach is going to blow the fuck up. And it's funny mm. to follow that up. This guy, well-known guy in the white manosphere named Rolo Tomasi ended up saying the same thing just last year. He was talking about how the, how feminism has evolved and how radical feminists are trying to, you know, implement all these laws. For example, they want to make lying to women and get them in bed literally a crime, not just something that's unethical, but a crime. Anyway, he had all this commentary and he said, you know what I think moving forward, he said the best approach moving forward over the next 5, 10, 15 years is going to be Alan Roger Curry's Mo One approach. He said the way things are going with feminism is putting men in a position where you just got to be straight up with women. You got to let them know. You can't be lying to them, bullshitting them. You just got to let them know straight up if your objective is casual sex. And, hey, I just want to fuck. And, yeah, so it, it, I found it interesting that that guy had said that back in 2006. So that's why it's funny when I hear some of my critics and haters say Alan Roger Curry's Mo One is outdated which is a ridiculous assessment when the more realistic assessment again is that I was ahead of my time when I started being, cause see some guys think that a lot of guys in my age group were direct just like me when I was younger. And that's far from the case. I was probably like one of only two or 3% of guys who was that type of direct. Most of my, my peers, guys in my age group, they were, they were all about indirect game. And before date, the, the concept of date rape came about in the early 90s, it was either about being using indirect game or about getting a woman drunk and or high. That was the two main methods that most guys I knew employed was either indirect game or and then feminist. That sounds like about. Feminist what happened that. with Bill. Yeah, see, that's why Bill Cosby that people don't understand. Like, you, you notice you had women coming out from the 60s and 70s saying, well, Bill gave me drugs. Well, shit, back in the 60s and 70s, that wasn't no crime. Rookies. A lot of my friend brothers used to do that all the time. They would just get bitches drunk, man. And just, but the like, women knew. Well, is this something? I mean, and, and wait, I'm sorry. I just want to say that, you know, we're not condoning anything oh, no, no, non-consensual. But I'm, no, I'm just putting it out there because you yeah. know how people get. But was was this like the women knew or they were asking for it or like hey you got you got a roofie? Well, I would say in most situations women knew they were you know it wasn't like guys had a gun in their head forcing them to drink alcohol or smoke a joint, but um, you did have some situations where a woman was very naive 
And she said, oh, okay, I'll take a glass of wine. And then they said, yeah, baby, why don't you take a second glass of wine? And then next thing you know, this and that happened. Like, I'll never oh, forget, wow. quick side story. I remember this police officer, this will illustrate what I'm talking about. I remember <laughs> I had a friend of mine who was on the campus police force, which was dis distinctively different from the city police force. And we were talking about different stuff. Somehow we go going to say, he said, man, I went to Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. And he was saying, he said, man, if a lot of these parents knew what went down on this campus, man, Indiana University would lose a lot of its respect and status. I said, what you mean? He said, Alan, man, do you know? Now, this was about like 1983. Again, this was before date rape came to the forefront. He said, man, we get like hundreds of complaints per month of women who claim that they were raped, but it's, it's quickly dismissed. And I said, well, if a woman was raped, wow. how would it be quickly dismissed? He said, because our police chief, one, one of the things, if a woman accuses a guy of rape, the, one of the first questions they'll ask the woman is, were you acquainted with this guy? Like, did you know this guy? And if they say yes, our police chief is like, well, there's no such thing as acquaintance rape. They consider rape as being like a stranger. That's insane. But if if the if the woman knew the guy prior to the rape incident happened, they didn't consider that rape. They might have considered it a minor form of sexual assault or something, but they didn't consider it flat out rape. So he said they would just dismiss it. And um and it's interesting how that changed like less than a decade later. Um, most notably because this woman who I actually know in real life named Katie Costner, she was on the cover of Time magazine. She's the one who made the term date rape mainstream. And her message was that you can know a guy and he can still rape you. Just because you know a guy doesn't mean he can't rape you. But again, my point was back in the day, oh, you were, yeah, I was saying about timing, yeah, and you asked me about, you know, would it be popular now and stuff? Yeah, a lot of guys so my age Chris again. They think a lot of guys in my generation were direct, and that's far from the truth. It's it's pretty much just the opposite. Hardly any of the guys that I went to high school with or, or college with or no otherwise were direct. Most guys were about indirect game or drug and liquor game. Okay. Um, shout out to Jack Spade. He says he caught her at the right time of her ovulation and he played his cards right. Good job, cut to the chase. Um, ladies, be careful when you ovulating for obvious I'm reasons. Trying to tell you. Um, that's how you come up with babies. Um, shout out to Babe. He says, cut so smooth, he got chicks using mold one on him. Yes, she she was she was ready, child. She knew um, what she wanted. Yes, and she wanted it right then. So, um, yeah. next we'll have smooth, and then we'll have game changer. Smooth, what do you have? Yeah. Good evening, everyone. What's good evening. What What's did up? you think What's about up? the interview, and what do you have for ARC? Hey, first of all, great job, great fucking job, yo, both of y'all. And um, my question for ARC is um, and C Rose, don't 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 hate me for for this word I'm about to use. Uh oh. Oh shit. But um, just uh, if say for example, ARC, when you were at your prime, mm -hmm. right, and I was 
see a short darkie that looked like seal in the face, right? <laughs> okay. Would honestly, would mode one give me the access to the women that you had access to when you were in your prom? And I mean the ones that you know your your frat brothers would be like, damn, you got her. Would that would 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 it be possible? Of course it would be possible. I mean, I, I would never like to compare what women another guy can access to what women I can access because all guys are different. I mean, there's some guys who'd be able to access women that I won't be able to access. So, you know. Um, no, but an ugly but, guy, a dude that is much uglier than you are. Oh, I've, I've, I've talked about, I had a frat brother named Daryl. And if we want to bring complexion, which I don't really like to talk about, but I know guys like Fantastic like to bring that up, the whole light skin thing. But I had a brother, a frat brother named Daryl, man, Jet Black, Bernie Mac Black. And he pretty much what I would call, from a man's perspective, an average-looking face. He was one of my fraternity's top womanizers and ladies' men. Why? Because he was full of charisma, he had a boatload of confidence, and he had a top-notch mouthpiece. And he used to pull a lot of dimes, a lot of dimes. And um, even more than some of the more, because my fraternity had a lot of pretty boy types. But Daryl, he used to pull a, both quantity and quality-wise more than a lot of the pretty boys in my fraternity again. Because yeah, he was just he, he was just very charismatic. He had a smooth mouthpiece. He knew how to talk shit to a woman. Mm. And yeah, he 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 was bed women left and right. So if I was to show you a picture of him right now, he would be the type of guy you would look at and be like, him? He was pulling a lot of women? He, so, he wasn't nobody, you know, he wasn't no movie star type looks, but so, but... Was he an ugly nigga? Would you say he was an ugly nigga? I wouldn't call him. I don't, I don't like, actually, I don't like to call any anybody ugly because uh, that's a personal thing. My mother and father, when, when me and my brother were young, we would get slapped in the mouth if we call somebody ugly. Like if I came from school and said, yeah, there's this girl in my class. She's ugly. My mother would be like, wow. She would say, don't ever call anybody ugly. Ever do that. So I don't, I don't, I've, I've done it, you know, of course, a few times here and there in my life, but generally I don't like to call anybody ugly because number one, I think looks are highly subjective. Somebody that um, someone, one person might think is, you know, but ugly, another person will say, oh, I think that person's okay. So uh, particularly when it comes to men, I would say both men and women, but definitely women have such varied taste in men. I'll give you a celebrity example. I've used this on my channel before. Bobby Brown from New Edition. Now, honestly, you know, a man can't really evaluate a man, but if you were asking me, I didn't think Bobby Brown looked like shit. <laughs> I mean, to me, he was just a basic-looking brother. But I know women that used to go crazy over Bobby Brown back in the day. I'm talking about, like, women used to be like, oh, if I met Bobby Brown, I would drop my panties in a second. And I'd be but like... if he was Bobby, Bobby Brown, Brown, the bus driver, would it be the same thing? No, nah, probably not. But, uh, no, but it wasn't just his fame, though. A lot of women just said they thought he was very sexy and masculine. And um, they just they thought he had a lot of what we now call swag. I don't that one popular back years ago, but that wasn't a term. But that's basically what these women would say that Bobby Brown they thought he had a lot of swag. 
And um, so you you can never tell, man, you know. So um, yeah, but uh yeah, if if there's at least one thing I feel that definitely can compensate for what a man may lack in, in physical attractiveness is his is his level of confidence and his mouthpiece. Well, I have more questions, but that's 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 good. I want to take up too much of y'all time. Thank you for having me up in the great show, y'all. Great show. I appreciate Peace, you, y'all. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Smooth. Later. Um, next we'll have the infamous, most notorious content creator of them all, Game Changer. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Girl, oh, okay. They was like Game Changer's going last, so you know I was like, let me give him a big oh, ass introduction. <laughs> Gee, he got fans and stuff out here. Clearly, he brought his crew with him. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to do any controversy because, um, you know, I appreciate the guests and um, this body of work and everything. So, uh, respect to you, Alan, and uh, you. everyone on the panel. Um, so, um, a question was brought up actually during the original discussion, which is, you know, um, over my other question. So, you guys mentioned pimps. It was you and Mad Scientist. You were talking about pimps and how. Uh, they don't lie. Now, um, oh, I never said that. I never said that. Okay, then it was it was it was brother mad scientist. Cool. Um, you know that they that they are more prone to the mode one approach, and you know they're 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 honest. Um, as I understand it, and trust me, I've never been a pimp myself. Um, at least not. I've never uh, street pimped anyone, um, ever. Um, but as I understand it, not wait, wait, wait. what kind of pimping did you do? No, I'm not saying that I pimped. I'm just. Uh, yeah, you, oh, because you said like you wasn't a street pimp, any at least not a street See, pimp. Sister George, so I'm like, well, what kind of pimp? There are, are middle class pimps. People don't know, and Game Changer might have, you know, moonlighted as a middle class pimp. That's what I was trying to get to the bottom of. Oh, like, I wanted to know. Like, let, let us find out. He he a pee. He like, can I get my point out? Okay, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I like Star Wars and chess. So and freaky, never mind. Go ahead, game. Yeah, and, and that too. But uh, right on. Um, but no, as I understand it, and this is from Iceberg Slim's book, as well as just interactions that I've had with street pimps. Mm-hmm. Um, lying, they they really don't. When it comes to telling the truth, they really don't um, live by any moral code, but results. Meaning that they will say, and I've actually been told by one, like if you're going to pimp a hoe. Um, you know, feel free to lie, but make sure you remember your lies um, at all times, because once you get caught up in it, it's all over. Um, so and, and Iceberg Slim, you know, who wrote the book, um, you know, I think it's um, the pimp. Yeah, or, story um, about, yeah, I read yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Alan, you you're familiar. He used to do mm-hmm. things like take toilet paper and wrap hundred dollar bills around it to make it appear as if he had more money. Like he exactly. he he even tricked a woman into believing that she was an accessory to murder just to keep her just to keep pimping her. So, you know, it seemed like those guys dealt primarily in deceit, um, quite the opposite. So, I mean, your experience was different, mass scientist? No, I was saying, you know, real game is not having to lie. I mean, if you have to lie and misrepresent your intentions or, uh, you know, short term or long term, then that's not real game because you're not you're not being honest. You're just, you're you're misleading people. Even a live omission is a lie. Now, oh, that is I got to touch on that. See, and this is where when I talk about mode two, because a lot of guys will say, well, Alan, I understand your harsh criticism against mode three, because that involves blatantly lying and blatantly misleading women. 
but I don't I don't understand why you're so critical of Mo two because Mo two is just being vague and ambiguous, but it ain't really. But as I explained in this new book, I, I touch on that in one of the chapters and no free attention. I basically say that Mo two is representative of lying by omission. And that you can argue that that's not as bad as lying by commission, telling a, a woman a blatant lie, but you're not telling a woman 100% truth. For example, when you're Mo2, you don't straight up tell a woman, all I want from you is casual sex. You don't go as far as to say, I want to be in a relationship with you, or I want to marry you, or I'm in love with you, or anything like that. But you don't say, I really just want casual sex. You kind of leave things vague. So you lying by omission, and that's still, technically, you still lying. So to Mad Scientist's point, yeah, and I don't remember necessarily Mad Scientist mentioned pimps, but to your question, Game Changer, yeah, man, I didn't want to say his name, but I'm going to go ahead and say his name. You know, I had a a, a heated, this will show you that pimps are not all about telling the truth, because one of the guys who criticized me last year, what well, started with, are you familiar with a dating coach named Steve Dean Williams? Yeah. Well, we kind of, we've always had an up and down like sometimes we've been cool, other times we've been damn near enemies. And uh you must be talking about Rosebud. Yeah. It started okay. with Steve. Yeah. He came out and basically he had criticized Mo One one time. Somebody mentioned earlier that one of the criticisms of Mo One, I think it was the guy real, said that um some people like to say that Mo One only works on women who are highly promiscuous sluts. And I've always vehemently argued against it because that's just simply not true. Anyway, Steve Dean had made that comment basically one time on O'Shea's show. He said, "He said, yeah, Mo One is cool, but my problem with Mo One, it only works on on highly promiscuous slut types." And so we ended up revisiting that last year, and then he he, he challenged me to come on his show to talk about it, which I did. I thought it was going to be me and him one on one, but then he had Rosebud Bitterdose, who's a, a well respected former pimp. And Rosebud basically criticized Mo One. He said, "He said Mo One. He said that's 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 too blunt. That's too forward. And if you that, he basically tried to argue what we was talking about earlier, Sister George. When I was talking about that being direct is not synonymous with being thirsty. He tried to suggest that being direct, Mo One is 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 like being thirsty. He said most women they're gonna look at you as thirsty." And they're going to look at you as easy prey that they can take advantage. And I was like, that's bullshit. I said, Mo Winnen does not make you thirsty. Those are two different concepts. So we went back and forth. So anyway, all that to say that, yeah, a lot of pimps and like a uh, game changer brought up. I read uh, Iceberg. Yeah, Iceberg Slam. He he admitted that he was all about lying to women and manipulating yeah. women. Yeah. Um, ARC, I did have another question for you. Okay. Um, have you ever used any dark seduction techniques um, to seduce women? And I mean, like, um, uh, let's say, have you ever heard of the Black Rose Sequence or maybe the Shogun Method? No. Okay. Don't know okay. what either one of those are. Gotcha. What is, that, that sounds, I don't know, it sounds... Uh, oh, you heard of it, huh? I, I, I honestly haven't. I don't, I don't really subscribe to, you know... Uh, techniques. I, I'm pretty much, you know, um, I pretty much ad lib if I'm meeting a woman, and it's not too, uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Um. Well, 
dark sedu- seduction techniques are basically techniques to uh, make women fall in love with you and actually make her uh, mentally enslaved. And so one of the techniques um, would be um, a combination of hot and cold. So oh, yeah. you make a woman feel cold. hot and cold. You basically put her on a, an emotional roller coaster That's and that cool. kind of endears yeah. her. But attraction, attraction, intrigue and... Um, it's something else. It's like three things that need to be established first, though. And attraction, mm. intrigue. Most common PUAs and rapport. Conventional yeah. PUAs, they, they, their name for that is the, they call it the push pull method. Yeah. And okay. uh, matter of fact, I interviewed, I don't know how many of you all are familiar with Robert Green. He wrote a book oh, called The 40 Law of Power. And uh, I, <laughs> I interviewed him on my blog called Radio Show. Which really? ended up being one of my most interesting interviews. Oh man! I, now I don't I want bet. to encourage Robert Green himself because he was cool, but I'm the type I'm gonna challenge some people, just like Sister George been trying to challenge me on a lot of stuff in this interview. I was challenging no. him on a lot of stuff, and I basically told him straight up. I said, "Dude," I said, "So you're basically encouraging people to manipulate other people," and he said, "No, I wrote the Forty Eight Laws of Power." to just identify manipulative tactics that people... And I was basically like, come on, Robert, that's bullshit. I said, why would you write a book and almost all your 48 laws of power are representative of manipulation, but you're not in favor of manipulation? He said, no, Helen, I... He talks real kind of soft play. He said, no, Helen, I'm really not. I just want to expose... And but anyway, one of his laws of power was related to kind of the push-pull method. It's vicious, actually. He said... Mm-hmm. If you really want a woman to like just go crazy over you, spend time with her, basically treat her like, you know, a girlfriend, like you on your way to marrying her, and then just abruptly without warning, just say, bitch, leave. Yeah, say it just like that, too. That, just like bitch that. Bitch, leave. And she'll be like, what? I mean, what, what are you, why are you acting like you'd be like, bitch, leave? I don't want you no more. So cruel. I'm not trying to. He said, when you break a woman's heart like that, he said, they will. there will not be a day that goes by where they will She doesn't think about you. That's See, so but to me, that's kind of dangerous because it, like, now, what if now, you drove it, her into depression and she started, you know. Concrete, that's the point. The point is to break her so, break her down so hard that you're the only one who can cure the pain that you've caused her. And so... Um, you hit it that right, results in her getting something right dangerous. You hit it right... That's what he said, basically, in that chat. Yeah. You're the one who caused the, the, the heartbreak, and you're the only one who can solve... No other man who comes into her life will be able to solve it like you can. Now, see, that's I was why never... That's women ever, talking about... They have these soul ties and they can't get a man out of their mind and they, they don't know how to like break the spell that they're under as it relates no, to No, you know what? But there's also a way to uh, break those soul ties, but it's not um, it's not going to be one of those things that you can just wake up and say it's over with. But there's also mm. method to breaking soul ties as well. But um, to get a person enslaved like that. Now, I would definitely not recommend you doing that if you don't want the person because she is most likely to go off on snap or right. she'd have been a kill show ass. Slash your tires. Right. 
Right. And um, but I do notice that a lot of guys do use those kinds of methods. And I, I find that to be very interesting. That's why I was like, well, you know, I'm just curious, you know, because I've read up about well, those. Mr. Two. George and Concrete, well, did, you, did you pay special attention to chapter five and no free attention? I don't know if I, I paid. In the book, because that chapter was not part of the original possibility of sex. And I don't go into real lengthy detail, but I touch on that type of behavior in yeah. chapter five of no you did. And um, yeah, I'm not now the closest I would say if there's anything in my arsenal that some might argue comes close to being of dark seduction, I know. Um, I'm a master of what's known as um, conversational hypnosis. So I basically know how to get a woman essentially in a hypnotic trance. Like I've had women that have said to me after sex, they'll say, Alan, I feel like, I don't know. I feel, matter of fact, if, if going back to who said again, if, if you read who said, I mean, verbal selection story number one at the end, I talk about at the end of that story. I say one of my two close friends, I was on a triple date after I brought her back into the apartment to fuck her. One of my close friends brought me into uh, the bathroom and he was like, bro, first he said, Hey man, I got to ask you, man, did, did you get her drunk while you were outside? I said, no. And then he made a gesture. Like he was putting a joint to his mouth. He said, did you know smoke weed? I said, no. Then he paused and the third question was, he said, hey, man, this might be a crazy question, but he said, have you taken hypnosis classes? And I said, no, why, why would you ask me that? He said, man, I'm telling you, man, I was observing that woman, man. When she was in here the first time, she was a straight up bitch, man. She was smart talking your ass. Then y'all went outside. And then when she came back, it's like she was totally under your spell. Everything you said, she was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will do that, sir. Yes, sir. He said it was like you had her hypnotized. And at that time, I didn't even consciously realize what I did. But later on, I realized that I had, without formally studying it, I mastered some of the principles of conversational hypnosis. Mm. Mm. Interesting stuff. Um, that is so the, super interesting, especially when you talk about it being like hypnosis, yeah, almost like they're in a trance state. Yeah. Um, um, shout out to Josh Quick for the super chat. He says, "No time wasters and fun clubbing uh, in 2021." I wanted you to ask me because a lot of guys ask me, "What does that mean?" Uh, well, uh, tell the people what it means because uh, you know, a lot of guys do. <laughs> A lot of guys do. Oh, I, I wanted to say, it was Ace of Spades, I was going to say, and again, I want to preface it by saying, I'm not at all disparaging Robert Greene himself. But because I challenged him in that interview and a lot of people like idolize him, man, of all my blog talk radio interviews, and I did blog talk radio for nine years, I have never, ever, ever gotten so many insulting emails after dudes obviously they had to be white dudes because they was like hey you nigger who the fuck oh, God. you are challenging oh. <laughs> i will find you and kill your ass you fucking nigger don't you ever talk like that to robert green again i mean i'm not even joking or exaggerating wow. I mean, I had some emails guys was threatening me calling me the n-word and they was like how dare you you know challenge a 
an intellectual giant like Robert Greene on his book, The 48 Laws of Power. And I was like, man, get the fuck out of here. I could I could see, um, you know, I don't I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm taking sides, um, Alan, but Robert Greene's work is derivative of Machiavelli, who does say that a man should only be honest when it, it suits is. his interest to be honest. Um, so I can see why he would be of that camp and why you're you're of yours, you know. Um, but I I think it's a little different because he based his um he bases his premise on war tactics, which is you know, um, and relationships or whatever you're doing, um, you know, uh, whether you're looking for long-term relationships or just um lustful encounters or something like that. That's not necessarily war, it requires consent, you know, it's not it's not a combative um status an embrace of one so um you two have like different end goals yeah i know that as a matter of fact I, when i yeah. interviewed him i brought up uh machiavelli's classic book the prince and um but here's the difference between robert green and machiavelli and this is where i was challenging more machiavelli you could say in a nutshell was about uh strategic lies and manipulation and he owned up to it Whereas Robert Greene was basically saying, I don't condone that. I don't co-sign with it, but I'm writing this book just to expose it. And I was basically like, Robert, I, I don't believe that's bullshit. Why would you? That's like me wanting, writing a book about how to molest a child and then saying, no. well, I don't, I'm not really uh, in favor of that. I mean, that's, but why would you write a book then about the shit? So I, I had, that's the one problem I had with him is that he wasn't he 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 taking ownership of his content in that book. He was trying to act like I'm, I'm totally against manipulation, but I wrote 48 Laws of Power that's pretty much all about manipulation. Kind of like the O.J. Simpson, if I did. I got you. I got you. If I did do it, this is how I would do it. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good analogy, yeah. So um, if I were to classify myself, according to your book, um, I would be mode two. Okay. Um, that, that being the case, I just want to, I was saying that to say, um, I'm nowhere near the techniques that, that Sister George and Concrete Rose were talking about. That's, that's Actually, you, you're closer than you think, but go ahead. Uh, uh, no, I don't deliberately put women through emotional highs or lows. Oh, 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 oh. I th I thought you were saying that you didn't know how. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no I, think, I think most anybody knows how. I just, just for moral reasons, you, you just don't. I mean, that is a level of dishonesty. Like, you know, pretending to be mad at somebody or tell somebody that she's insufficient when she is. Um, that's, that's a level of deceit that Alan doesn't even have a mode for. You know, I mean, just I don't I don't really do stuff like that. So I'm just saying, like, that's that's where I stand, you know, far from that. Gotcha. Um, so um, however, um, there's I, a level of deceit. I don't have a mole for what, what level of deceit don't I have a mole for what they were describing for deliberately, um, you know, the push and pull method. Um, oh, that, I would, that would fall into mold three. That would fall into. Oh, OK. OK. Then you do have a mold for it. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Um, to me, that's a that's a bridge too far. But um you know, to answer your question earlier. Now, um, I will say that mode one um, for, for me and my personal dealings is effective when sex is an absolute certainty, where you're dealing with a woman who makes it clear that, you know, she's into you and this is the right place and the right time and the right opportunity. Um, in fact, when, um, not often, but when that situation pre presents itself, 
what I do is mode one, um, even prior to, to knowing of you or reading your book. And that's simply because um, anything at that point, because you're at the point of certainty already. So anything past that, you can only talk your way out of it. Anything you say will be used against you. So why say anything? You say as little as possible uh, while making your intentions clear. That's where I would um, say that mode one is effective. Um, however, would you say that mode one is effective in getting women who are on the borderline or perhaps not interested in you originally? I don't know about the not interested in you originally, but borderline, see, that's where that's where the verbal seduction comes into play. Mm -hmm. See, it, it, this is where I try to explain to guys, like some guys here on YouTube, when they talk about mode one, they just talk about the verbal direct component, which is a very important uh, component in itself. But if you're dealing with a woman that's on the fence, say most notably within the context of my book would be the wholesome pretenders and erotic hypocrites. You got to also be verbally seductive and you got to be able to talk to them in a way that connects with their natural raw sexual desires, their biological impulses and avoids their social because the in simple terms the more a woman wants to adhere to her social programming and cultural conditioning the more she's going to try to go out her way to avoid any form of short-term or non-monogamous casual sex unless she's just a totally free-spirited liberated type woman and those women they've trained themselves to just you know go against social programming and right right and, i have friends know. like that and um, so that's what causes a woman to be on the fence in the first place, because basically they, I like to say they have two voices. I put it in the, in the metaphor of the, the angel on the right shoulder and the little devil on the left shoulder. The, the, the angel represents their social program and cultural conditioning. And that voice will be saying, hey, Linda, don't give in to this guy. You're a good girl. You want to find a husband. You're a respectable, good girl. And then the naughty voice says, girl. You better give him some pussy. He attractive. He's sexy. Go ahead and give him that pussy. And it, it's like they have this back and forth in their head. It's like I call it in, who said again, an internal conflict. And that's when you're going to have women that are going to be on the fence, giving you resistance. And if you're not verbally seductive, you're not going to be able to persuade them to listen to the little devil voice over the angel voice. So um agreed. Now the process itself. Go ahead, game changer. Then we want to um also get our other guests in after after your, uh this question. Okay. Um the process itself that you described, Alan, uh thanks, Concrete Rose, um, that you described is uh time consuming. Like seduction does take time. Um, no, not necessarily. Wait, 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 wait. For some more than others. For some more than others. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's where things like, okay, uh, she's on the fence, I'm going to need some time. Um, and that's when you start, that's when I start getting into things like mode two, like, you know, we should get together for a cup of coffee. Basically I'm saying, let's create an intimate setting for me to talk to you more and implement my verbal seduction technique. Because mine's isn't always going to be 25 seconds. Mines might take, you know, 25 minutes or 25 hours even. So that's where things start moving into mode two. And, you know, that's when the time factor comes in. You see, you see where I'm going with this, right? I mean, I, I, um, I agree with your mode one method when it's an absolute certainty. But, you know, fence situations 
um, you know, I'm I'm more inclined to with mode two and and you know most situations for me um, are offense situations. Well, here's the problem. Here's here's the main problem mm-hmm. is that if there were no such thing as the archetype of the manipulative time wasters, then everything you're saying would be right on point. I would I would actually totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. The, the main person type of woman that throws a monkey wrench into that is the manipulative time wasters. Because see, manipulative time wasters they know how to act like they're allowing you to execute a lengthy, slow, subtle seduction, when in actuality, they just playing your ass. They just playing you. I've seen it happen for so many guys who thought they were, like, I don't want to get into details of this one story, but this was one story I always tell about this guy. He ended up paying for this trip to Cancun. And see, that was his problem. This friend of mine, I call him Brian, he thought he was engaging in this lengthy seduction with this drop-dead gorgeous woman. One woman, I ain't gonna lie, she was fine as fuck. But, uh, he kept opting towards a mode to what you would call a slow, lengthy, subtle, what he felt was. But when it all came down, he agreed, man, she played his ass. She she called him, spent a lot of money on her, invested a lot of time with her. He never, ever, not even one time ended up fucking her. Not one time. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. And, okay, Adam, I'm sorry. My questions, I'm, I'm out of questions. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back. We'll circle back. Um, we'll circle back because this was all very interesting, game changer. And you do have some pretty good questions, and I'm sure that people in the chat were. Um, there are some people in the chat that were wondering the same thing. So thank you. That allowed um, Alan to, uh, you know, give some clarity. But we also wanted to get Paco in here and give him a chance to uh, chime in on the topic. Paco, what you got for us? Good evening, ladies, and Mr. Allen, uh, great guest so far. I started out listening to the show, and I was none too impressed, and I have to admit, I didn't read the book, so obviously, I, I am, I'm behind on the curve, but I was ch- chiming in, supporting the channel, and learning, and the more I listen, the more I learn, and the more I appreciate what you've been saying. I have to say, uh, consistency-wise, that I have admitted on the show, the ladies before, that I'm a feminist. And you were talking earlier about how in previous times it wasn't illegal to, um, you know, get a girl drunk or give her drugs in order to have sex with her. And, and, and what we define as rape has changed. And thank goodness, right? We were more clear on what is rape and who has rape to. When I was active duty, uh, along with Sister George, they, we were in uh, training and they explained how men could be raped. I imagine maybe 30 or 40 years ago, no one would believe a man could be raped. And I remember this painful story. Uh, it was it's, it's even more painful if you're a man of uh, them explaining that these they, uh, they, the guy got roofied and the girls took him to the room. He, he was you know under the influence or whatever. And they shoved the pencil down his penis in order to keep it erect in order to please themselves. I thought the story was so crazy, but it was a it's a police report. It's it's something that is is literally a true story. And they were teaching us about it in boot camp to say, hey guys, don't think that you can't be a victim of uh date rape drugs too. And so I say all that to say once again, thank you for for your books and for the conversation. But also as the feminist on the panel, 
I have to say that we have to be appreciative of what feminism has done. A lot of people have challenged me. How could you be a man and be feminist? And what the hell has feminists done? What has feminists done? If feminists have done nothing more than help us as a society move the conversation forward of who gets raped and what is rape and where we draw the line with rape, then I think we should all be able to at least appreciate that. I know there's a lot of negative connotation with the word feminist, but I think that mostly comes from people just stereotyping feminists. And obviously there are a lot of crazy, loud feminists who are just rude and easy to hate, but we have to be able to appreciate if we have mothers and daughters and sisters, and we all have mothers, that feminism has helped us to understand that, hey, what is rape and, and who rapes who and who can rape who, and, and we have to draw the line at that. Wouldn't you agree, uh, Mr. Allen? Oh, well, yeah, I, I've never gone as far as to classify myself as a, a as a a male feminist. I, I've never done that, but but that said, I remember when I spoke at there's a, a convention that's well known, particularly in the white manosphere, known as the 21 convention. And I spoke there twice in 2017, 2018. And one thing that raised eyebrows when I spoke there in 2018, and the, the women that were there actually gave me a standing ovation, is because I defended some tenets of feminism. They, I, I basically did both. There were some tenets of feminism that I, I harshly criticized, of course, which the guys enjoyed. But there were some tenets of feminism that I defended. And I said I understood. Because, I mean, as you were alluding to, you know, there was a time in our society where, like, a husband, if he just saw his wife flirting with a, another man, he could come home and beat the shit out of her. Legally. He yeah. could beat the shit out of her. There was no such thing as like domestic violence. Feminism helped change that. You know, I wouldn't want any of my female ancestors to, to know that, you know, one of my male ancestors was just beating the shit out of them. And, um, and yeah, you know, back in the day, women were brutally raped. You know, I, I talked about that on blog talk radio a couple of times. I think I've talked about it at least once or twice on YouTube. People that, think some people naively assume that rape was always illegal. No, it wasn't. Hell the time in certain cultures the country, you could that's why women very would gravitate true. towards very masculine men, men that they felt like could protect them because a man could just come up to you and say, hey little lady, I like that ass and just start ripping off her clothes and just take that pussy. And uh matter of fact, I just told a story on was it this live stream, your channel, somebody's channel, I went to Cartagena, Colombia as part of a cruise and this guy, he was a young brother, well, he was Colombian, but I call him a brother. He was leading the tour. And there was this, if you haven't been to Cartagena, you know, there's this, this, this uh, wall of these cannons and these older white people were saying, Hey, what are these cannons for? And first he started explaining in formal terms. And then he said, well, can I basically, can I keep it real? He said, is anybody a blush easy type? Can I just keep it real? And I, I was the first one. I said, yeah, go ahead. Keep it real, brother. And essentially, he went on to say, I'm paraphrasing some of his words, but essentially, he said, the reason why these cannons are here, because these, these guys from Italy and Spain used to just come down to Colombia and just brutally rape our most beautiful, sexy women. They would just take the pussy and just brutally rape them. And he said, at, at some point, the Colombian guy said, we ain't going to stand for this no more. We ain't going to stand for these guys just coming over here on ships from Italy and Spain, just raping our women. They, it was like, we're going to get some, some, some uh, weapons. And we're going to kill these motherfuckers. 
And they 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 stood up for their women, and that's happened with a lot of societies, you know, in the age of the conquerors. Yeah, they went to your land. They said, "Hey, I'm gonna take your land. I'm gonna take your bitch. I'm gonna take all your possessions." Absolutely, women were the spoils of war. That was part exactly. of your your benefit for conquering, uh, you know, a country or a land or people. Yeah, you got to take the win. Exactly. They're part if of I can say real quick, uh, I, I've been spending a lot of time in the Middle East with my travels uh, post-military, I'm still a contractor. And if you go to the, and you grew up, everyone's heard about this, right? But I'm telling you that this is a fact, it's still true. As you were saying, some places in the world today, not a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, today, there are places in the world, especially in Muslim countries, where you can just, if you, if you just muscle a girl and, and take it, you just, you rape is still not settled there there's no feminist movement in those countries and so rape is not settled uh if you ever heard of the the uh, honor killings uh fathers would kill their daughters because the daughter is a safe discussion because basically he's he's, he's bashing muslim culture well, well I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bashing i'm not bashing yes, anyone you can make an observation about what is wrong in society without bashing it i'm making observation about the lack of feminism or the protection for women and the consequences of them having sexual interaction. I'm saying that this is the law. I'm not bashing them. If we can't be Go honest, ahead, Paco. We let's, let's, we're going to let you finish your points. Um, well, well, so gonna, I would say this to we're you. We're going to let him finish his uh, points because we got other people on the panel that also want to have an opportunity to speak. But I think what he's just driving home that there there is a benefit to feminism because it's put protections in place for women and it's even put some protections in place for men uh, as it relates to uh, you know his example that he gave of, of uh, men being raped yeah I, well definitely I want to touch on two things and then I wrap it up Paco uh, number one yeah I've known about matter of fact I'm a big fan me and my wife are fans of this show called Law and Order SVU and they had big fan of that show yeah they had at least one if not two episodes and you know, a lot of their stories are based on real life occurrences where men were raped by women. A lot of people think that's impossible, but it can happen. Like in one scenario, one guy, they used two attractive women to get his dick hard, but then they had this, see, I said, I don't like to use the word ugly, but unattractive, obese woman sit on him while he was erect and he he didn't want to have sex with that woman but he they was forced to they they was assisted by i think two guys that had him like tied up and anyway he 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 filed raping he, he he went through all this this um challenges of his own friends and family members saying oh man i can't believe you know basically you a wimp how you gonna say some women rape you man only a wimp would say something like that and blah 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 but yeah it happens it happens secondly um, feminism, my simple assessment of feminism is that it's been a double-edged sword. You can't say that it's fully, there's some aspects of feminism that I'm sure a lot of women regret and, uh, would like to take back, but there's other advances that have been made, as I already pointed out, that has given them further protection against being brutalized. Thank, Thank you for you, acknowledging Ashley. that. I appreciate that. 
I really no, appreciate that, Mr. Allen. Thank you. And and I want everyone to know that I'm not no hardcore, crazy feminist. I'm just a feminist. Like I said, out of a human perspective, I believe in women having equal rights. That's okay. Uh, that's my position. And other people disagree, and they have the right to that disagreement. Thank you for the time, ladies. Thank you, Mr. Allen, Thank for you, speaking Papa. today. You're very welcome. Appreciate you. Uh, Miss Melody, you know I can't do your voice like um, Danny, so I apologize. But hey, Melody. Hi, Melody. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Sister George. <laughs> How's it going? What what, what uh, do you have to contribute to the topic, Boo? It's about mode one. Um, how effective do you say mode one is? Because it never worked on me. Well, it's, it's always worked for me. So, I mean, it's it depends on the person. It depends on how. Number one, you got to have balls and backbone to exhibit mode one behavior. Number two, to one degree or another, you you got to have a certain degree of charm and and smooth and seductiveness with your mouthpiece. But uh, either I would say if mode one never worked on you, a guy just straightforwardly letting you know he wanted to fuck you and he ended up fucking you, then that means either. It was a bunch of guys that approached you that you just weren't attracted to, or you're always looking to take advantage of a guy before you get the first one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and that's the thing. I tell guys, Mo One is not a magic pill, meaning that if you're talking to a woman that's just flat out 100% not attracted to you, not interested in having sex with you, it's not like Mo One is just going to magically change her mind. That's not what Mo One does. Mo one mainly does two things. It's twofold. I would say in simple, overly simple terms, it helps you identify women who are interested in having sex with you, but are trying to pretend like they're not. And the second category of women, it helps you quickly identify as women who are not interested in having sex with you, but are trying to give you the misleading impression that they are. So I call those in my book that would be wholesome pretenders, erotic hypocrites, and manipulative time wasters. Like when it comes to reciprocators and rejectors, you really don't need more one. Those are the women you don't really need more one because they ain't gonna let you know one way or the other anyway. But yeah, wholesome pretenders, erotic hypocrites are the two types of women that are interested in you, but they're gonna either for a few minutes, a few hours, or even a few days, they're gonna try to act like they're not. And then manipulative time wasters are women who are not interested in you, but for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, whatever, are going to try to give you the misleading impression that they are. I'm between the two, I'm more concerned about the manipulative time wasters. I don't like a woman disingenuously flirting with me and giving me the impression that I can hit it when I can't. If a woman ain't interested in me fucking her, I want to know that with, with, with by the end of my first conversation. I want her to say, Alan. You 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 can't fuck me. I'm not interested in you fucking me. And see, a lot of guys, they try to run away from rejection. That's the big thing I point out in this book, No Free Attention. That's the weakness of a lot of guys. They try to avoid rejection, delay rejection, prevent rejection. I'm like, run straight towards rejection. I've had, do you know, there have been times in my life, I've literally sometimes had to damn near beg a woman to reject me. Now, on paper, that sounds crazy. But that's what happens sometimes with manipulative time wasters. Because see, manipulative time wasters, they never want to straightforwardly reject you ever, because that ruins their game. How can how can a manipulative time waster get a guy to take treat them to free meals if they straightforwardly telling them they ain't gonna give them no, no pussy? 
How can they get them to pay some bills by straightforward telling them you ain't going to never get no pussy? And in fact, it's funny. I was just talking about law and order. There's another version of law and order called law and order criminal intent. And I never forget this episode where this Jewish guy was cheating on his wife and his wife ended up dead. And they first looked at the Jewish guy as a suspect. I'm giving a spoiler. It ended up being his mother. That was the final culprit. But while they were investigating, they went to the stripper who he was. Uh... And so if you ever uh, watch Criminal Tip, there's this detective named Detective Gorn. He gets all up in your face. Like, literally, he gets all up in your face. Great actor. I think his name is Vincent D'Afrino. Anyway, he said, he goes over to a place. He says, hey, so I forget the Jewish name guy. Let's call him Louis. He said, hey, so Louis had an affair with you. And she makes a face like, affair? She's like, yeah, I guess. He said, well, that's what you have with somebody that you're having sex with that's, that's you know, not your wife. And she said, is that what he told you? He told you we were having sex? He said, well, I'm just assuming. And she said, ah, that's your mistake. And then she clues him in related to the manipulative time where she says, I'm going to clue you in, Detective Gorin, since you don't seem to know. You can get much more from a man by leading him to believe that his lucky day is coming at some point in the future than to actually giving up the goods. She said, you see that sports car outside? You see all this furniture in this condominium? I never had sex with him because he thought his lucky day was coming. And I said, damn, boom. He never fucked that woman one time. And yet he spent like over $100,000 on this bitch. Got him. Wow. Damn. Damn tragedy. Yep. That's what that's that's what a top-notch manipulative. Matter of fact, I've told guys sometimes on my channel, some, some I learned just from experience and observation, but most notably when I lived in LA, I used to work at a lot of the movie studios. I'd have like, not permanent jobs, like a long-term temp assignment. And sometimes I would get put in a department where it's pretty much like 90%, 95% women. And usually right around that time when they, everybody came back from lunch, there would be this group of women in a couple studios that would always want to share stories. And I got cool with them to the point where they would let me listen in. And when I get too lengthy, yeah, that's what they would be sharing stories. Like one white woman looked like she was a Victoria's Secret model, would be talking to another woman who looked like a Victoria's Secret model. And she would say, do you remember that semi-nerdy guy named Herbert? And they would say, yeah. Do you know he's been paying my mortgage for the last three months? And I would be like, get the fuck out of here. And y'all not even in a relationship? And they would be like, yeah. And I'd be like, well, at least he's having sex with you. And then one would shake her head like, no. I'd be like, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. This guy is not having sex with you. You're not even sucking his dick. And he's paid your mortgage for the last three months. And they'd be like, Alan, you just don't know. And they would basically tell me, make comments similar to what that woman said in that episode of Criminal Intent. They would be like, you can get so much out of God by making him believe his lucky day of pussy is coming in the future. All I do, to, this is what these women would essentially say in one way or another. They would say, what we do to guys, we say, hey, George, if you buy me this Porsche within three or four months, you'll have your way with my body. And the guy would be like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll buy you that. And then once four months pass, they just say, you know what? 
George, I changed my mind. I don't think we have chemistry, but I appreciate all the bills you paid and all the cars you bought for me. And I'd be like, oh, y'all playing with fire. Y'all going to get burnt. Right. Fire. But that's all the top notch. Like, I, I talk about, like, some sisters. I've heard them brag about getting, like, a free lunch, free dinner. I work with women who had houses paid, condominiums paid, expensive luxury cars paid for by thirsty, desperate motherfuckers who was getting played and didn't even realize they were getting played. By thinking their lucky day was coming. Wow. And they, matter of fact, they knew about my one because I would end up telling them and they would tell me. They would say, Alan, you're the type of guy we wouldn't be able to manipulate because you're too straightforward. You're too direct. You, you basically force us. You would force a woman like me to tell you you're not going to get the pussy. And I wouldn't be able to play you. And I'd be like, you're damn right you wouldn't. Um, well, um, shout out to Reg, the bad guy. He says, Alan, how many men are in mode two? Oh, you know, and, I get it. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, shout out to the emancipated Negro. She said, Hey, just showing the panel some support. Interesting conversation. Thank you so much, um, Reg and emancipated Negroes. Um, so, uh, Reg wanted to know how many men are in mode two. Well, before I address Mo, Mo, I mean, Reg, I wanted to just quickly say the game changer. Uh, I appreciate the back and forth we had because, you know, we were on here one time. This was way last year and it was kind of combative. But I like the fact that we had a very cordial and respectful dialogue with each other. Um, Reg, the bad guy, I always like to imitate him. One dollar, two dollar, three dollar. Make that zombie run. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody watch this show, they know what I'm talking about. One dollar, yeah. two dollar, three dollar. Um, I would say the vast majority, if I had to pick one mode that most men fall under most regularly, is mode two. Yeah, I say that in the book. I say mode two is probably the, the closest thing to the default mode for most men. Mode two, because a lot of guys they like to be cautious with their conversation with women, particularly the very first conversation, they like to be cautious. They like to be pleasant, non-controversial, um, non-threatening. And they generally want a woman to feel comfortable in, in, in their presence. So that's why a lot of men lean towards Mo two. And secondly, when you're vague and ambiguous, you, 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 again, you're lying by omission, but you can always argue, like, say, for example, you end up sleeping with a woman because of Mo too, and she says, well, I thought you wanted a relationship. You can always quickly say, I never said that. Matter of fact, I call out, if you read the book, uh, ladies, I call out one of my own cousins. I didn't mention by name, of course, but I got a cousin. We've had heated debates about Mo One versus Mo Two, and he's he's all about Mo Two. But that's I've seen him do that with women. When women, because he's gotten those text messages that somebody who was on the panel was talking about, where he slept with women, and then a few days later, the woman texts him and say, "Oh, you you jerk! I thought we were headed towards a relationship. I didn't know this was just casual sex." And he'll always say to them, "Yeah, I never told you I wanted a relationship with you." 
But he never specifically said he just wanted casual sex either, though. And, um, but yeah, his criticism of me, he said, because, man, the problem I had with your more one, man, is that when you more one, it seemed like you end up treating fuck buddies like they fuck buddies. And I was like, and your point is what? He's like, man, I can't do that, man. I, I, I always want a fuck buddy to think she got a chance at being my next long-term girlfriend. And I said, plain and simple, I said, dude, that's, that's emotional manipulation. You're manipulating the woman. And he would argue, I don't like to look at it as manipulation, but I'm I'm sparing her feelings, man. I want her to, I don't want to make her feel like she's just a flat out, just nothing worth nothing more than a fuck buddy. But I'm like, if she is, she's either, either is a fuck buddy or she's not. If a woman's a fuck buddy, that means y'all two are designed to get together to fuck. Y'all ain't supposed to be having no emotional attachment and all that other shit. You 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 offered her the possibility of a relationship, just like women offer the possibility of sex. Whenever the time we also offer the possibility of sex, you offer the possibility of a relationship and then pulling the rug. I said, what's that about? So anyway, but to simply answer Reg's question, yeah, most most men, I, the problem with mode two, another problem with mode two, other than it opens the door for manipulative time wasters, you're going to end up vacillating back and forth between mode two and mode four. Almost every guy I know who exhibits mode two at least makes occasional pit stops into mode four. It's it's inevitable. Okay. Um, next, we have Suda Africana Mommy. Hey, Suda. Hello. How are you guys? Doing Hello, excellent. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. I come from Eddie's channel. I was recommended. Uh, he recommended the channel, actually. Um, channel? I'm not. Yeah. Eddie not Adheem, and shout out to him. Oh, Thank okay. you so much, Eddie. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask a uh the mr arc i wanted to ask that um i know that i you earlier you mentioned that um there was a you i don't know if you were speaking about yourself or in general where you would give the girl your number or whoever whomever would give the girl their number and tell them like hey you know call me only if you want to do only if you want to smash, but don't call me for any other reasons. I wanted to ask also, um, why is not even why it's a is it okay for the for the girl to call you back and also just sleep with you and then also be like, okay, I just want to have sex with you. That's it. But then another thing I also wanted to mention is like I'm really for the the whole idea of being upfront with whomever. If you want to have sex with a person, tell the person that's all you are interested in because I feel like everybody has a right to choice. The thing that I don't like is that when people start playing these dumb games with each other because what happens a lot of times, these issues, not even these issues, these situations can end up really fatally because some individuals emotionally are not okay or not stable and it's not okay for one person whether it's a man or a woman to pull the rug under somebody else while the individual have the intentions or the thought of just being with the person exclusively even though later on it doesn't work like that because there's too many cases when where one person ends up dead or a guy's car's windows get um uh, get uh get 
get smashed or his tires get slashed. No? Okay. You, you're saying if people are indirect, they end up with car smashing. Is that what you're saying? Or you're saying if they're direct? I'm, I'm kind of get confused. I mean, uh, you, you. I'm not sure if you you said this, but she was saying if they are if they are indirect. She said that your mode one or being direct is better because if they're indirect, that's how you end up with the problems that she. Oh mentioned. yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, again, I say that in chapter five of my newest book, uh, No Free Attention. I, I basically tell guys that when you get into the lies and psychological and emotional manipulation of women. There's on the positive end, there might be instances where you do quote unquote get over on a woman, uh, usually a very naive, unsuspecting woman. But I said the downside is that that goes to that adage, uh, uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I the, the most extreme, and I will say this is extreme, but the most extreme example, a friend of my cousin's, he was toying with some women's emotions, and one in particular. She came to his crib and shot him in the head. Yep. I mean, you got to think about that for a second. Wow. He had her so fucked up that she basically said, I'm willing to go to prison as long as this nigga's dead. Mm -hmm. Did he die? Yeah, he died instantly. My condolences. Huh. She shot him in the head just because he was he was basically what it was. He was he was giving her the misleading impression that she was his girlfriend when he was actually fucking like three or four other women at the same time. And she found out about it. Came in. now again. That's a very I'm not saying that's going to happen on a weekly or monthly basis with most guys. That's an extreme. Scenario. But that can, I've seen more less extreme examples of somebody already mentioned it. Like I've had fat brothers of mine. They got their tire slashed. I remember one frat brother of mine, he was a indirect manipulative type guy. This his one of his women came in his crib and destroyed like a thousand dollars worth of his clothes. Just destroyed it. Alan, is that is that cheating? Is that more cheating um than deceiving her into believing she was his girlfriend? Because she might have been his girlfriend and he was simply cheating on her. Well, it's, it's, I've seen instances of both. There's somewhere it was just blat basically blatant cheating. And then there's others where it wasn't so much cheating, but a guy was giving a woman the impression that she was his only lover. And she bought naively bought into that only to find out, you know, he was also fucking her best friend or whoever else. And she was in the rotation, didn't well, know it. So I just I don't I don't I don't one of the reasons why I developed more one, and this is where a lot of guys get wrong, they think it was just as a means of enhancing my ability to get laid. But a large part of my reason and I explained that in this new book was that starting with college, I developed a lot of adverse uh, attitudes towards the idea of doing it. Cause even some of my own beloved frat brothers, I saw a lot of my frat brothers do that with women, like basically do the indirect manipulative shit. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, I basically wanted to prove to my frat brother because it started with one of the things that, that started more one off is that a lot of my frat brothers basically said it's impossible to get a woman to have casual sex with you by straightforwardly telling her that all you want is casual sex. They was like, dude, you'll never be successful doing it. And I proved them wrong to the point where a lot of frat brothers who were initially criticizing me ended up nicknaming me the legend because they was like, damn. 
AC, instead of ARC, they used to just call me AC. They said, damn, ARC done proved us wrong. Because they are like 98% of my friends believe if you told a woman straight up, I don't want to be your boyfriend, I don't want a relationship with you, all I want to do is fuck you. They believe that that was a recipe for instant rejection and no success. And I was the one in the frat that proved everybody fucking wrong. To, to be fair, um, uh, Kappas do have, there is um, a social advantage that they have over, you know, a GDI like me. Um, How do you know about GDI? Okay. Yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, they can do that. I couldn't. I mean, let's just let's just be real. I, and I think that that was even true, you know, in the time that you were in university, you know, they they would get a better response from that because um, women were simply attracted to the status, to the crimson cream status. And, and not to say the men themselves, you know, didn't have, you know, um, qualities that women wanted, but I'm just saying that that gave them that extra edge that they can just get away with it and, you know, just kind of go forth. And even if she said, no, it's, it's plenty others that would, um, I mean, it was, it was akin to, for those of you, you know, who don't know, um, think about, um, being famous, being rich and famous. However, your, your fame and wealth is, you know, um, restricted to the college life, but yet and still, you are that dude on campus, no matter what. Well, here's what I would say, game changer to that. I, I kind of at least have disagree with you because a lot of the women that were attracted to me, like for example, I had a long-term girlfriend in college for about two and a half years, and um, I pulled her before I even joined the frat. So nobody could would have been able to say that I pulled her because I was a kappa. But here's where I will say that actually being a Kappa helped me with, with a group of women. It wasn't black women. It's actually the uppity that you've seen portrayed in different movies as a stereotype. Those uppity white sorority girls. I fucked a lot of those women when I was in college. And at least half the reason why I was able to fuck a lot of them was because I had KSI on my chest. Because they would be like, oh my God, you're a Kappa? Oh my god! I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm great. Fuck you too." Oh my god, you're gonna fuck me? I I can't be seen with a nigger though around my friends. But okay, and I'm not even joking. A lot of them, back in the day, that's how a lot of these white women would talk. Like I remember one white woman. I used to fuck her all the time. But when she see me on camera, she would act like she don't know me. And one day I was like, damn, you don't even like as much look my way. She was like, Ellen, you have to understand, I need to be this blunt, but you're a nigger. And like, you know, my friends would disown me if they knew I was sleeping with a nigger. Oh my God, where are you from? Indiana. Oh, that was at Indiana University in Bloomington, oh, wow. Indiana. Yeah, they, cool. a lot of white women, particularly those type of women, they felt like the only acceptable quote unquote black guys was athletes. Like, if you was a star basketball player, star football player, that's when white women would openly give you attention. But if you was anybody else, now today it's, it's different. It's, in today's society, I see white women giving brothers attention. Like, you don't even have to be an athlete, fraternity guy, or anything. You could just be a good looking brother. They're going to give you. But back in the early to mid 80s, no. Nah. If if you if you were an athlete, the only way white women was gonna deal with you was on the on the on the quiet tip, in a very discreet manner. But my a lot of part of my entry to dealing with them was honestly being a member of a fraternity. 
No, what what I'm saying, what I'm saying, um, Alan, is that um, there's a reason why people without the letters, like myself, you know, would use mode two, and people with the letters, like you and your friends, could use mode one. Can we agree to that? Because it was well, my frat brothers didn't use mode one though. No, yeah, I know. I, well, they did in my day, in in my place and time of university. They they did. You know, I went to I went to university here in California, and probably your technique spread throughout the fraternity by then. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. But um, but you know, because it was guaranteed. Like you know, he, they knew, especially amongst the black women, they they knew who they were. They they see the letters and they see the guys, and you know, it was it was just instant panty drop. So mo, it really didn't matter what mode they used because it was a guarantee. I have to work a little bit harder. So that's what I'm saying. Like. You know, um, the advice to guys who don't really have that advantage, you know, would probably be a little bit different. Well, yeah, I would generally agree with that. I mean, yeah, it, it, definitely being in a fraternity when you're on, on a college campus, I would say arguably probably next to being an athlete. The next status in line would be being a fraternity guy. So, yes, as far as status goes. Yeah. I actually um, give me just one second. Um, we actually were going to start the process to wrap up the conversation. So yeah, we'll allow everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know it's getting kind of late. So we'll allow everybody a chance to give us some final comments on the discussion or the topic in general. Um, we will start with, I don't know who was the first person. Up. Let's see. Danny, can you see the names? I can't see them on my screen. They were earlier, but yeah. Not, I, can't I know. For some reason, it. all the names are blacked out. Okay. So who wants to kick us off? Oh, with, um, I'm sorry. I was on mute. Um, oh. I do want to give a special shout out to the Goldie Jones channel. Um, I ended up blocking somebody by accident, but I checked our blocked list and she was on there. And Goldie is uh, really, really unproblematic. So um, Goldie, if you're out there listening, um, please come back and holler at us. Because I was wondering what, what happened. We haven't seen you in a minute. Uh, but shout out to you for um, the Cash app as well. Thank you so much. Um, we'll start it off with Mad Scientist. Um, Mad Scientist, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Uh, Alan, uh, appreciate uh, you talking to you. I'm a big fan. I'm definitely going to pick up the rest of your books. Uh, like I said, I, I just think Mole One makes your life simpler and easier to manage, and you don't have to worry about getting your tires slashed or uh, shot in the head. I know a guy who deal with the opposite of what you said. He's manipulating women and leading them on and he's getting his car keyed and getting gallons of paint dumped on on his vehicles. So, uh, you know, mold one, you know, avoids all of that. Save you a lot of time, a lot of money and uh, a lot of car repair bills. So, shout <laughs> out to you, ARC. I appreciate you, man, scientists. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Matt, scientists. We appreciate you coming through. Um, real... What are your final thoughts on um, the interview and for Alan? Uh, my final thoughts is uh, you all have been lovely. This interview been great. Um, Alan, once again, keep doing what you're doing. I wanted, I don't want to get too lengthy, but I want to chime in on um, something. I've heard this like quite often. A lot of different guys on YouTube say things about like, I'm going to just say honest. I ain't even going to say more when basically when you break it down about being honest with somebody, some of them, I think, feel like you can't be straightforwardly honest about your sexual desires or whatever your desires may be because you look a certain way, certain complexion or whatever it is. 
I slightly disagree with that because I think even if you a quote unquote ugly person, I think you can still be honest with somebody about what you want. But by you being honest with them up front, if they didn't feel the same way you felt or they had no intention of giving you whatever it is you desired from that person, that's going to quickly help you to get that situation out of the way. At least you understand. At least now you understand whether you're ugly or unattractive that, hey, they was never going to let me borrow this money. They was never going to sleep me. They was never going to give me this relationship. And that's vice versa, whether it's for male or female. So when I hear people say, hey, it only worked for the house or whatever, like Alan was saying, it's not even necessarily per se about putting everybody because we all understand attraction varies all over. It depends on the people that you're dealing with and how often you holler at people. But it's about getting the people out of your way. It's the, well, we, we talking about men, not dealing with women. It's about getting the women out of your way that's going to come in your life, smile at you, but they only want a, a conversation on the phone when they're bored. They only want, um, they think you an easy lick for money. They think you a sucker that can fix something. Whatever it is, like a lot of women have a lot of um, thoughts going through their mind in terms of different men they deal with. So if anything, even if it don't lead to you having sex all the time, it's about you not wasting your time and not being a verbal coward. Regardless of how you look or how you feel, it's okay to tell people that. Let her go ahead and tell you ahead of time, hey, I always thought you was ugly. You would never get that. Well, guess what you just did? You saved yourself time and money because now she has honestly confessed because she was so already turned off by you. She was already thinking like, damn, he looked like an ugly ass Biggie Smalls. And you up and tell her, be like, damn, I love to suck on them titties. And she, then her natural reaction comes out like, no, nah, not you. I know who you think he was. Oh, no, you're going to have to wait to do all that. Okay, so now your social intelligence can kick in. You can be looking at the situation like, well, I know what I'm dealing with now. So guess what? Hey, I'm not finna play you with this money. I'm not finna come hang around you. I'm not finna keep talking to you on the phone. And you don't sexually desire me like you desire other guys that you naturally feel. So like I said, once again, I disagree with people talking about honesty. You know, it's null and void based off of how you look, man. That's That's, I don't know what to say about that. Yep, yep. Good commentary. Thank, thank you, Real. Uh, we appreciate your comment. Um, I definitely think it is, first of all, looks and attractiveness is definitely subjective. I think Alan brought up a great point with using Bobby Brown earlier. But, um, yeah, we appreciate you coming up and uh, chiming in on the topic and um, adding to the conversation and uh, your comments for um, Alan. Um, and I just want to give you guys a reminder that I'm going to put Alan's link in the chat again so that you can go ahead and cop the book by clicking the Amazon link in the chat. And I think, um, who's next, Danny? Um, let's have a Suda, Africana mommy up in here. Um, Suda, what are your final thoughts? Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to say that like... Uh... Uh, earlier also ARC did mention that uh, beauty is objective and I definitely agree with it because like it's really true that beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder and another thing is also like I feel like not even I feel everybody should do, should be honest with themselves enough like don't play games with people not in this day and age because you know anything can happen to you man or woman don't string people along if you know you're not interested don't just don't do it all together because what you put in that universe you will get back tenfold no question especially if you're going to be lying and deceiving people you will get it back whether you want it or not so definitely i am for it just be honest with what you want either party whether you are man or a woman 
be straight up front. If this one may say no, the next one after that may say yes. So, yeah, that's just my take on it. Just be honest and keep it real all the way. Thank you, Suda. And thank you for having me, guys. Thank, thank you so you, much, Suda. We love your us. accent. It's so Absolutely. cute. Absolutely. And we appreciate <laughs> your commentary and contribution to um, the topic. Thank you, dear. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. I'll see you again. Yes. Yes. Come back through. We be popping over here, honey. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. You too. You too. Um, Melody, what are your final thoughts? Well, great stream as usual, ladies. Thanks for having me up. Thank and Alan, you. You're welcome. And Alan, I definitely need to purchase your books because I'm very interested in learning about the molds. Okay. Super cool. So, yeah. Girl, you gonna be even more seductive than I'm all. telling you, Melody. Get the audio book version. Get the audio book version. Like I really, really enjoyed that. Unless you're like, you some people stuff like on your ass, Melody. If you become more seductive, honey, oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> some people like now, the you know fashion uh, books and they like to flip the pages, but I love the audio book. Now, Sister yeah, George, you know you you had an effect on Melody because you kept calling me Baby Maker Three Thousand. On one of the recent live streams, you called me that, and Melody was like. Y'all making me think about babies. Y'all making me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, Melody, let us know. Um, I love being an auntie, honey. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, I'm definitely going to purchase that book or those books. I don't know how many there are, but I will be purchasing. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you, Melody. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Melody. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Um, Paco, what are your, excuse me, Dr. Black, what are your final thoughts? And thank you so much for coming through. Uh, thank you, as always, ladies, for allowing me to speak. A uh, big shout out to Mr. Allen. And in, in this, I guess, two hours, three hours that I've been on, you've won me over. I, I look forward to reading your books, expanding my horizons, learning more. Uh, I feel like I became a totally different uh, person back when I was single. Uh, became a different person when I accepted mode one. And that's that wasn't natural to me. I was kind of raised like a lot of people to be mode two. But I'm like a nice guy and I felt like I was getting taken advantage of because, you know, I'll be in the club and offer the first thing, like the icebreaker, hey, can I buy you a drink? Well, a lot of people would just take advantage of you off the top if you're that polite. So, you know, thankfully, I, I learned the hard way to, to move on to mode one. But your book is going to save a lot of people trouble if they if they listen to it and not judge. And I was in the process of judging before I even listened to you. And I'm glad that I stuck with the show. Listen to your 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 commentary. Listen to all the guests and the, and, the, and the speakers who who spoke about, you know, different points of view. And and I think that your your book is going to be a, your books. Great contribution to the people who want to be better. And in this space, you know, as African-American to contribute that, I think it's going to be very useful. And obviously, I'm, I'm most happy about the fact that we, we stumbled upon uh, a benefit of feminism for the whole audience because I have been getting that question. And so I don't I don't feel fake or on an island saying it now that it was just a natural point of the conversation. So uh, I'll be able to use this in the future, <laughs> future conversations about feminism and how how it could it doesn't have to be a dirty word obviously there are good and bad people in every group every philosophy and i hope to be one of the good people in feminism and maybe help to change some of the other people who just think of it as a horrible term 
All right, ladies and, and Mr. Allen, y'all have a good night. See you next time. Thank you, uh, participating in the conversation, uh, Dr. Black, and uh, thank you. Thank you for your feedback. We really appreciate you. Paco, you're fast becoming my most favorite person on the show. Definitely come back and check us out. Now, it's not that I agree with everything that you say because I don't, but I love the fact that you stand on your own too, uh, no matter what your opinion is and you're not afraid to state your opinion, even if it is a dissenting opinion. Um, and that's kind of hard for people to do sometimes in this space. So we appreciate you. Please come back and check us out. That may be the biggest possible compliment. I don't think I even deserve that. The, your favorite, you know, you got a lot of fans out there. Fans oh, no. out there, please don't they, attack they don't me. Care. I did not pay her to say that. And you got a lot of fans. <laughs> I don't. I listen. That was general. That was just, that was honest. So y'all don't kill me for she said that. I really appreciate that. I'm gonna sleep great tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Paco. Thank you so much, Paco, for coming through. Really appreciate you. Um, shout out to Jack Spade. He says the lying in love is like Jordan pushing off Brian Russell in the finals. You do what you gotta do to win. Um, they say all is fair in love and war unless you're dealing with me and then I'll stab you. Um, thank you to me <laughs> for the super chat. Um, next we'll have Game Changer. Game Changer, what are your final thoughts? Okay. Um, thanks for having me, ladies. Um, but yeah, Alan, I, I um I didn't know that you talked so, that way. Hello? What? What what did you say, GC? Oh, I just said thanks for having me. Is this me or yeah, you know concrete got that uh, I don't crazy ass song. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what's going on. I couldn't hear Danny, but I heard Game Changer. Uh, sorry. Oh yeah, but but I'm not Morgan, right? That was that was just concrete. Child, well, you you know, you're you're phone. Okay. You know what? And I'm not on my phone. I'm sitting at my computer with my headphones, with my new um, microphone. Don't do me. Oh, I think you can hear me. Okay. My bad. Yeah, oh. no worries. But no, um, thanks for having me. And um, Alan, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, see our last thing as um combative. You know, I just thought that, you know, I, I was mode two. Um, and you know, you, you believe in mode one, um, that more men should be it. And I get that. Um, the reason why I, um, am, and you know, if I'm, if I'm ever single again, will continue to be mode two is, uh, simply because, um, you bring up a good point. You know, if you, if you put the women in different categories, mode one is definitely effective for women who instantly want to sleep with you um, based on, you know, just instant charisma, lust or whatever um, masculine traits that she is into that you possess um, and quantities enough. And that that's well and good. I think that every man should do that um, just for the simple fact that anything else you, you're going to talk your way out of it. You're going to say something that's unappealing to her. You're going to say or do something that's unappealing to her. And you you've lost at that point. So why even risk it? Um, you know, definitely I agree with Mo one um, in that instance. Um, however, um, there, there are two types of women um, for Mo two, and those are the ones who are manipulative time wasters and who are using, you know, Mo two guys to manipulate them for time and money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then there are the ones who you can win over. Now for um, a lot of single guys, the women who are borderline that you can win, win over is the bulk of their sex life. You know, it's a large portion of their sex life. Um, what doing mode one all the time does is it negates that a large portion of a man's sex life. Yes, it saves them time um, sticking with the women who are only um, into them sexually, but 
it you eliminate that. Now, what you gain is you don't deal with manipulative time wasters. What I do, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and tell me if this is a bad move, Alan, because you know, this is your area of expertise. What I do is I invest the time um, sparingly, the time and money. You know, I don't I don't do the five star restaurant thing. You know, I do the inexpensive, let's meet up for coffee type thing, and you know, try to move it forward from there. So, um, and then that is one way that I have for weeding out the manipulative time wasters without just coming out and saying, you know, hey, let's get down because you know. I, I think that with that, I do lose a lot of the borderline women. You said, how do you you feel you identify manipulative time wasters? Well, by not investing much time and money and evaluating if I feel that they're more into the events or the um, the time that we spend together versus uh, me um, sexually. Uh, well... I don't know. I it, it sounds like you're saying you you rely just I guess on your gut instinct and your intuition, and and I wouldn't out totally outrule that, but I would just simply say most of the women who are what I call top notch, top tier manipulative time wasters, they know how in the early stages to make you believe that they have just as much, if not more, interest in you as you do in them. That that's that's their their tool. That's their tactic. They're they're very good at it. And the average guy will not be able to pick up on it until it's too late. And some 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 guys think I'm automatically assuming a number of days or a number of weeks or a number of months. But in some cases, I'm talking about just simply hours. I, I give you a, a quick story. I'm trying not to be too lengthy, but I've told this story on my YouTube channel. There was a guy who wrote me, God, I can't remember. I, I, I want to say it was either Switzerland or the Netherlands. He was in Europe and he had a loft mate and his loft mate and his loft mate's best friend went to a club and pulled these two women. Well, first, yeah, he pulled these two women when he brought them back. The guy who was a subscriber of mine told his loft mate, he basically said, hey, man, you need to be mole one with these two chicks. And the guy, he, he had a totally average. He said, man, fuck that mole one. You know, fuck this Alan Roger Curry you keep following. I'm not going to say that real direct crass stuff and mess up my chances. So let's get on with the details. He sits in this, in this loft, him and the loft mate and his best friend talking to these women first for about an hour. Then the woman came looking for the bathroom. And that's when the guy who followed me said, hey, you should you should come to my room after you finish talking to these guys. She said, why would I want to do that? He said, because I want to bang the shit out of you. And she initially had a, a negative reaction. She said, oh, my God, I can't believe you're talking to me that way. God, what kind of asshole are you? Blah, 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 blah. He's like, okay. So he went back to his room. So then his loft mate came to him and admonished him. Then he went back. Anyway, the loft mate and his best friend spent Two and a half hours talking to these two women that they pulled from club thinking they were going to end up having sex with them. Bottom line, the two women said, well, we're ready to go. They called a taxi. Then five minutes after they called a taxi, the one woman, she came back and lovemate thought she was coming back for him. She said, no, I'm intrigued by your very audacious roommate. I want to talk to him, the guy who was a follower of mine. Long story short, he ended up fucking her. He spent all of three minutes talking to her. And he ended up fucking her. His loft mate and his loft mate's best friend spent 
two and a half hours talking to these two women, being mowed to, thinking that they were going to fuck these women, had them laughing, giggling, all that shit, didn't even get a tongue kiss. So all that to say, man, you know, if you feel like what you're doing, I always say if what you're doing, you feel works for you, continue to do it. I, I never try to alter anybody's mode of operandi if they feel like that's working for them, if they're not wasting a lot of time, a lot of money. But mold, I know for me, just by every time I was mold too, with the women who were manipulative time wasters, I ended up wasting time and money that I regretted for weeks afterwards. And I just don't like that feeling. So I would, I would, I would never return to being mold too. No, I, I, I do think that he should have, um, he should have known within the two hours um, that this conversation isn't going anywhere, or at least where he wants it to go. I, I do think that he was a little extreme, but um, I, I just, I'm, I'm just saying, um, Alan, is that there's, we're dealing with um, different ends of the spectrum, you know, like one end of the spectrum is the guys that you describe, the guys who spends hundreds of thousands of dollars on supermodels and their mortgages and stuff and don't get anywhere. That would be like an extreme, unappealing, uncharismatic, and green person um, in the ways of dealing with women. And then on the other end, you have the, you know, um, um, run the yard noobs that the pretty boys that that get them all. And it really don't matter if 10 say no, because 90 say yes, you know. So, but most of us, you know, are the ones in the middle. Most of us don't really fall under any category and we're willing to spend, you know, 15 minutes, you know, um, you know, talking up a chick um, for, you know, over a cup of coffee just to see where her head's at on the situation, you know, or maybe spend a little time on the um, on the phone and stuff like that. We're willing to invest a little bit just to find out, and I, you know, and and, you know, I just I, I'm just saying, you know, my situation is different than yours. You know, it was in university and it is now. Well, yeah, like I said, if Mo2 works for you, if you've never, yeah. ever felt frustrated after being Mo2, then then I, I simply say more power to you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. My, that's my closing thoughts. Okay. Thank you for participating in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for speaking with me. Well, thank you so much, Game Changer. Um, really appreciate you coming through. Um, I thought we had got real. Did we get real? Yeah, we got real. Okay, I'm just making sure. Well, um, let me drop these guys down. Um, ARC, um, this was an excellent, excellent interview, even though we gave you a couple of hard questions. But you know, I'd be wanting to know and um, hear from somebody who actually has the experience um, to better explain some stuff to me, you know, as far as it comes to uh, game and seduction. Because, you know, game and seduction is actually one of my favorite things to study. So, um, you know, it's always good to hear from the king, not the, not the, not the prince. Not the gesture, but the king of verbal seduction. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm i like, let me get it from him if I don't get it from nobody else. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite things to uh, study and talk about. So I'm so grateful that you were um, able to do this interview with us. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We really, really, really enjoyed the interview. We enjoyed yeah. you letting us get in your business a little bit and talking to right. us about the new book. You guys make sure you go out and cop it. It is a really good read. Um, yeah, this was actually pretty dope. I enjoyed the conversation the entire way through talking with you, ARC, and um, even the panel guests. They had some pretty good questions, too. So, yeah, this was dope. I got yeah, one more was, question uh, for you, though. Okay, go ahead with your one more question. 
um, between this interview and the last interview, which one did you like better? Well, generally, I like both, but I was going to say this one was longer and more in-depth than the first one. Okay. And uh, I just hope it reflects in the views because, you know, I used to lightheartedly brag for a while. I was y'all's most viewed one-on-one interview that you guys had. Then other people like Jessica X and, and Wesley Pipes and whoever else ended up surpassing me. But uh, no, this was a, this was a great interview. Matter of fact, it almost made me forget about my headache problems. And uh, yeah, well, that's so, even better. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, better. and uh, it's it was some great questions. You guys didn't give me just a bunch of fluff questions. You guys gave me some, you know, challenging questions. I, I, the only, the only minor, minor snag in this, I hated that. I felt like, you know, I, I, I offended uh, y- your fiance. I, that wasn't intentional. Yeah. But when I get to talking, I just use different examples. And sometimes I include the people I'm talking to, but I, that was no intentional disrespect towards him. But uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, it was a great interview, great discussion, and uh, yeah, I just so people can. My books are all on Amazon.com, um, mm-hmm. particularly this book, uh, my newest book. Again, is called "No Free Attention: um, How Women Use the Possibility of Sex to Manipulate Naive and Lustful Men." It's technically a rewrite of my 2012 book called the possibility of sex, but it has a lot of new different and additional content in it. So I think not only men, men will definitely be served well by reading it. But, uh, I think women, matter of fact, somebody recently wrote that in the reviews of Amazon. They said, I think a lot of women should read the book. And I agree with that. And, uh, and matter of fact, I will say, I know people like to be private and keep their addresses to themselves, but if you're the type of person willing to give up your, your mailing address, the first three people, male or female, that write me at coaching at mode1.net, that's M-O-D-E-O-N-E.net, coaching at mode1.net, the first three people that write me, I will send you out a signed copy of No Free Attention, the paperback. I will send you out a a, a free complimentary copy um, so you can read it. And uh, yeah. So uh, with that said, thank you, ladies. You know, I used to have an aversion on YouTube to being interviewed by women, but you two are, are wonderful hosts. I've always enjoyed your live streams, you, you guys got a, a, a very spicy personality about you and uh, you're real and you show me nothing but love, kudos and respect. And I'm thankful for it. Thank you, ARC. Absolutely. Um, we love interviewing you. Um, it's always uh, interesting and intriguing. And yeah, we um, each and every time something new comes up, you know, we want to have you back. So um, thank you for joining us tonight, even though you weren't feeling 100%, but definitely sending blessings to you and hopes that, you know, you are back to, you know, 100% good health um, as soon as possible. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And tell that pretty wife we said hey and kiss that and kiss baby. The baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. He's he's just growing up in front of my oh, eyes. Oh my gosh. 
he was such cute. a little fellow when we brought him home from Nashville. Now he all chunky looking. <laughs> Too yeah. stinking cute. Yeah, I love um, him. Well, thanks again. You guys make sure that you hit ARC up if you're trying to be one of the three um, to get the free copy of his book. And I spam the chat quite a few times with the link, but the book can also be found on Amazon and it is no free attention. Thank you again, ARC. Thank you. Thank you, ARC. Um, you guys, um, be sure to come back here on Sunday. Um, well, we'll be bringing you another dope-ass topic. For you sure. guys have a great night. We're out. Peace.